This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to a heading into the weekend edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Absolutely packed show today. Lots to get to after last night's shocking loss by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in overtime to the Montreal Alouettes. Um, First and foremost, shout out to everyone that was there. Uh, An amazing crowd, an amazing atmosphere. Although, as we will get to... Depending on who you talk to, the crowd may have played a role in the demise of the Bombers in such a bizarre fashion last night. Um, we're going to be talking about the game with Dustin Nielsen, my uh, pal from the lock shop, who, of course, called the game last night on TSN. And uh, because of the focus on the kicking game, who better to jump on? Then our guy Troy Westwood, Westy, will be on the program in about 20 minutes as well to get his take on, uh, you know, what the misses at such a crucial time mean for Mark Leggio going forward, how you get past this, and, you know, obviously what the effect on the rest of the team is when you have a failure like that in such spectacular fashion at such a crucial time. So Nielsen and Westwood on the game last night. We'll also discuss the latest in the NHL offseason with the Winnipeg Jets and more with our guy Brandon Rowicki. Andrew Collier from the Winnipeg Goldeyes is going to stop off. Huge weekend coming up for the Fish and a lot of great things happening at the ballpark, so we'll fill you in on that for the weekend. We'll also take a quick trip around NFL training camps with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and, of course, finish it off with another marble race here on WST. So before we get into uh, everything that we have to discuss today, let's get Remus in here to start things off. Remo, (laughs) I still can't believe they lost last night. What's going on? How are you? People are saying I jinxed them. I'm saying you're saying the wave jinxed it. I said it's you, Hus. You told Coolbet, put in a prop. Will the Bombers go undefeated? Hey, that's fake news. That's fake news. You you went to Coolbet. You said, I that want this prop fake in. news. Didn't even Flair last Hay. a week on the board. Flair. It didn't about, even last. How about do not fake news, everyone? You know, you always get mad at people when they put fake news in the chat. You are now doing this exact same thing. That prop that was put out was a request from a listener. Yeah, but you should have told him. Hay. You should have told him no, but I guess we got to get that <laughs> got to get that betting money. Got to got to get cool bets got to get take their rake or whatever you call it, their handle. Hey, well, uh, hey, I would have been more than happy to cash the ticket if the Bombers went through. And let's face it, we should be talking about a team that's 10 and 0 right now. I I've tweeted this out last night and we'll get to the video of the incident as it happened. But I fully blame the wave. People, if you were one of the folks that got at me for my wave takes on there's a time and place for everything and way before the end of a game in a game that is not by any stretch of the imagination taken care of, uh, I'm sure you're with me now. Because, and again, this may sound ridiculous to many of you, but karma is a real thing. And doing a touchdown dance before you get in the end zone is a cardinal sin and doing the wave in a one-score game with 11 minutes left, even if you've won two straight championships, and even if you're 9-0, and 
can come back to haunt you. And I am fully convinced, Michael Remus, that the premature wave last night at the stadium amongst so many people who are having such a great time, I sort of get why it happened. I believe that it cursed Mark Leggio, and that is why the 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 kick to win the game, not being at least a single, is still something I'm not sure I'll ever understand. Um, and then to obviously hit the upright on uh, the one that they needed to continue the game in overtime uh, was just a little more salt in the wounds, or a little it was an exclamation point on the take that uh, that we bomber fans cursed the team with the wave last night. Yeah, I mean I want to be here and be like, yeah, what happens in the stands affects the field of play. I think there were a number of factors that led to it. I think the bottom line here is if you have a 24-yard field goal for a chance to win with time remaining as a kicker, that is your job to make the kick. And when I saw that he missed, I was like, oh, no. I was like, well, maybe he gets a single here. And you're like, oh, God, he's carrying it out. And that is why I love love the drama of carrying the ball out um, for you know, trying to prevent the single and couldn't do it. You know, in overtime, you're like, okay. Um, I'm not going to blame the wave us, although I, you know, we can agree it is a celebratory function, but I will say it speaks to how great of a crowd there was oh. yesterday at the stadium. Um, you know, it was packed crowd. What was it? Over 31,000. Uh, incredible to see that much support. It's just disappointing we couldn't finish it off with a win. You know, let me say one thing about the crowd. And I, I, I say this as someone that has been going to these games my entire life, whether it's the Bomber games, the Jet games, Moose games, Goldeye games. Couple of observations last night. Crowd was incredible. There has been, I've never seen more. There was a couple points where I was outside at halftime and talked to some folks and looking around the crowd. I have never seen a time where more people not only are at the game, but are rocking blue and gold bomber gear. I think the percentage of fans wearing bomber gear was higher last night than any game that I'd ever been before. And the other thing, and I will say this to, I mean, the last two years have been really tough. Um, And, you know, I've got some friends and know some people that, you know, have kids that have just come out of high school or maybe have started the first couple of years in university have never been to a live class, never been to a party on campus. I mean, and nothing like that. I mean, they have essentially been at home doing classes online and probably connecting with people online. If you're 19 years old, you're 20 years old, you're 21 years old, you're a single person that maybe hasn't been out very much, get season tickets in the North End Zone and get out there because from a social aspect for young people, um, that was the place to be in the city last night. And I know the game ended a way that people didn't want to it. But the way that they have created a culture and an atmosphere of fun and great times and meeting people. And uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was really, really awesome to see. And listen, it would be great to be talking about a 10-0 team right now. The Bombers will be fine. Uh, but the health of the franchise, the fan base, and the uh, the action going on in the field right now, um, honestly, is at a high that I, I don't think I can ever remember before. I agree with you. you. You go out and see a lot of bomber gear everywhere. Uh, the crowd, people are fired up and giving this uh, previously undefeated team to start the season, um, you know, major props and they're getting behind them. And look, they were in position to win yesterday. It didn't happen. You know, I see comments from 
from people saying, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Now we don't have to spend all this time talking about an undefeated season. You don't have all this pressure. I don't think it changes what we think of the Bombers. However, I do look back at some of their wins and I'm like, well, maybe the Bombers kind of squeak by on, you know, other teams' mistakes. You remember the win in Toronto where they missed the field goal at the end of the game or the extra, was the extra point. And now, you know, the Bombers make a mistake and they lost. So, you know, they are, they are mortal. They are human. The game was there for the taking, but they just didn't didn't grab. There were a couple plays. I mean, you want to talk about? Um, I don't know how we were going here, but the uh, what the fumble at the at the end by Caleras, the drive by Trevor Harris, and then the offside, very very key. I mean, uh, that well, was I, I, you know speaking of uh, the atmosphere in the stadium, hmm. that might have been the most widely participated in refuse suck chant I can ever remember. Who? There's been some loud ones at uh, at the rink downtown at Jet Games before, uh, but people were hot after that. And to be honest, that I, I still can't believe that that was called the way it was. I mean, is that the reason they lost? No. Um, but if they got the call right, and I guess even when you look back, I mean, he may have been offside by a millimeter, I guess. Uh, I was stunned, though, that they called that considering how close it was and such a massive and important play. If you're with us on YouTube right now, you can see uh, the lineup of a hand, I don't know, maybe maybe a centimeter over the line. Um, pretty surprising that they called that. And as Bombing says, yeah, the letter of the law is right. It doesn't always get called that way, but it certainly did last night. And that was a huge part of that turnaround and uh, the inevitable comeback for uh, for the Alouettes. I will say that I was looking for a Bombers, the Bombers defense to get some type of turnover, to make some type of play. You know, we saw it. I thought, you know, this game was almost a, a carbon copy of last week's game. Totally. Dalton Schoen at halftime says to Sarah at half yesterday, you know, we're not playing our best. We can play better than this. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he said the exact same thing. <laughs> at halftime last week. And then they came out in the fourth quarter and started pulling away. And it seemed like they were about to with that drive before. 100-yard drive, fumbled. right, yeah. to start the fourth quarter. All right, fourth quarter, put them up, let's go, win the football game. Mm -hmm. And it certainly seemed like that way uh, was exactly what was happening. Um, and you mentioned, I mean, it was a fumble, uncharacteristic, uh, you know, turnover by the Bombers. Um, and then, uh, what a legendary goal line stand. That's what was so disappointing about that play. I mean, to have that be called on a third down with the way the Bombers handled the line of scrimmage and prevented them from getting in would have been a very Bomber way of winning the football game. We've seen that a few times this year. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't go their way. And then it came down to Mark Leggio. And listen, we're going to get into it with, with Troy Westwood, but we'll hear from Leggio in just a second. Um I mean, just that was one of the worst kicks you will ever see. And, you know, to have it happen in such a pressure-packed situation, unfortunately for a guy that had been really good so far this season. I mean, he had that rough second half in BC in a game that they won. And other than that, pretty much been perfect all season long. It only missed two field goals, I believe, in the entire year. But holy smokes. I mean, Everything that had to conspire to not at least get a single point, I think there's a lot of retrospection. I know there's some people saying, oh, they should have just punted. No one's ever going to punt that. I mean, the distance from a field goal and a punt isn't that different. But the bottom line is, and I'm sure Westy will say this, no matter what trajectory or line you're on, you better hammer that ball and just make sure that it's not possibly going to get returned out of the end zone. And uh, 
for it to end up where it did and the Alouettes to come out was frankly a miracle result for them to go to overtime. And I think people were still stunned that the game wasn't over after that first kick. And someone texted me after that this was like the most depressing loss that they had been at ever. Now, maybe that there's some oh. rec- recency, recency yeah. bias there, but uh, packed house. Like you think your team's going to have this drive to uh, take the win after that goal, failed goal line stand. And to have a field goal miss um, that that poorly, um, pretty disappointing. I think there were a number of areas where they could have could have been better. But you you had the game on the you know on the foot, ready to be won. Should be a routine kick, and it wasn't made. And you go to overtime. You still have a chance in overtime. And again, um, off the upright. So a real disappointing finish. Game was well played. You thought the Bombers were going to pull away. I thought they could have used a, a stop from the defense. They needed to force a turnover or something. Um, Bombers defense didn't do that. Well, they, they did, but it was offside. And it was the Alouettes defense which forced, you know, which forced the Bombers to, sorry, have to, uh, which forced the fumble and then the field goal in overtime. I, I, I mean, the good Montreal pl- D, I thought the Montreal D line was solid all game. Yep. I mean, Zach Caleros, the best plays, including that brilliant touchdown to Dalton Schoen. I mean, those plays were when Zach Caleros was under a significant amount of pressure. I mean, he was sacked, he was hit, he was hurried at times. Um, And he showed the mobility and the moxie that he has when he gets outside of the pocket. And I know they sort of changed up some of the plays to get him out a little bit more. Um, And it did have some success. Uh, But the Bomber offense would be the first ones to tell you that they have way more to give in the tank. And it wasn't a great start for the team overall. But I do think that the Montreal defense deserves a lot of credit, especially the guys up front going up against that Bomber offensive line. Yeah, I I agree with you there. The Bombers D-line putting pressure on Calero as I said, forcing that fumble, um, getting multiple sacks. But I do want to point out that touchdown that Dalton showed. Unreal. Exactly. That was like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl against the Patriots in the hel- with the helmet catch. I mean, guys <laughs> all over him, grabbing him. Like, you think he's going to get sacked twice there, scrambles out and finds Dalton. And he's done that so many times this year, and Dalton's shown um, up there in the league leaders for touchdowns. I mean, what an incredible rookie season. He only had two catches yesterday, but 57 yards and, uh, and a touchdown. Greg Ellingson, he returned, uh, making some big catches. Three catches for 54 yards, but, I mean, you held him to 17 or... 17 points in regulation and it should be enough to win, but it didn't, didn't break the right way. And again, well, and the funny didn't... thing is if that kick is made, which should happen more than 99% of the time, um, we're just sitting here talking about, ah, look, bombers fourth quarter again, hundred yard drive. Yeah. No problem. Get the ball back. Charge down first down, first down, first down, give yourself an automatic field goal to win, or at least single and walk off at 10-0, and 0. they did all of that. And, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, at the end of the game, like it or not, it does come down to the kicker. And, you know, Mark Leggio is going to have to sit on this one for the entire bye week uh, after the disappointment. Now, Mike O'Shea, I'm certainly sure will have his back considering the way that he's played so far this year. I can tell you on the bus home from the game, there was a lot of people asking about Sergio Castillo. <laughs> I'm not sure how fair that is. But, um, listen, the team probably should, should be 10-0, and 0. They're nine and one in the kicking game. Uh, unfortunately, was the focus when people were leaving this field. That well, let's get these Legio clips coming up. Um, you know, he did man up and speak after the game last night uh, to the assembled Winnipeg media. 
Here's a little bit of bomber kicker Mark Leggio after the disappointment at the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime. Uh, you know, the one uh, before overtime, I, I just uh, didn't give myself a chance and, you know, just it didn't Can look I hear good that? coming off my foot. And then the one at the end there in overtime, I thought I hit it well, felt good off my foot. But, you know, obviously the outcome wasn't what I wanted it to be. And, you know, just move on. And like you said, you go one for one, you wash it out of the way. I know we have a bye week, but just go back to training, working on things and move on to the next game. The one in the at the end of the fourth quarter, is it hard to you know, totally get over that one and heading into overtime? Is that still kind of lingering in your head at all? Or uh, I'm, I've washed it right away. I went to the next one, and like uh, obviously the ball flight looked a lot better than that one. And uh, obviously, like I said, I, I thought I hit it well, but obviously the outcome wasn't what I wanted it to be. And just you know, just want to get the three points for the team. But unfortunately, well, we took a loss today, and you know those happen. And I'm just going to move on to the next game. Yeah, a clanger off the bar, and that was it for the Blue Bombers and Mark Leggio. But, I mean, the one I think that, you know, will be discussed and talked about for a long time and um, probably focused on amongst people that cover and cheer for this team was the uh, was the kick at the end of regulation, um, you know, which many people have correctly said, all you need is a single, why don't you punt? Michael Shea said, you're never thinking about that for a second. Um, but the one thing that you have to do is basically just hit that ball hard enough, which every professional kicker is capable of that no matter what, even if your alignment isn't great, you're getting the single and you're walking away for the W. And as I said, we'll talk about that with Westy, but here's a little bit more of Legio in his post game comments after last night's first loss of the season. You touched on it a little bit, but, but that one in the fourth quarter, just what happened exactly? Cause it just came off your foot a kind of a, a funny way. Just, did you miss it kind of, or just what kind of happened exactly? Uh, it just kind of looked like I felt like I hit it with all my foot. So I'm going to watch the film, see, see what I could see if uh, I miss hit it or, you know, there's a slight adjustment I need to make in like my plant foot or something like that. But um, it just felt like I got too much of the ball and, you know, obviously it went to the left and low, but uh, yeah, just take it to practice next week or, to the bye week, I'll I'll do my training and then take it to practice the week after and take it into the next game. And also, you've been having a really solid season, so it's one game, but just just what are kind of the emotions you're going through right now? Uh, you know, obviously it doesn't feel the best, you know, to not hit a game winner, but um, you know, you just move on to the next one, and you know, that's what pro football is. It comes with its ups and downs, and that's how like the pros they go further. You, you wash it, move on to the next one. You can't let it sit with you, and then you just keep on getting better from here. It's a it's a good learning point, and that's a every every kick is a learning thing for me, and I just take it to the next one. And what can I what can I improve on for the week after? All right, so there was Mark Leggio post-game last night facing the music, being asked a number of times about the uh, the kick at the end of regulation and what happened. And, um, I mean, I guess you can look at the tape. Um, uh, the job of the kicker is relatively simple. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. I'll see what Westy has to say about that. I don't know how many times you'd have to watch that to know that um, that was just... Uh, an unfortunately very, very poorly executed play at the most important time of the game. Um, that being said, Reem, and I said this to some folks having one after the game last night, things could be worse. The team is still 9-1. and one. This team is still in first place. They're getting a bye week. Um, uh, but it certainly won't change any of the questions around the kicking game that had been pretty much quieted by Legio's strong performance through the first nine games of the season. When I make my CFL power rankings, Huss, 
I'm still putting the Bombers at the top, 9-1. and one. It doesn't really change what I think of them. However, I think if you had concerns about the kicking game leading into the season, and we did discuss that, uh, it was over and over, and who's going to be the kicker? Are we going with uh, Legio here? Maybe those questions about him in clutch situations, maybe the pressure uh, ramps up, and if the Bombers do go and maybe they acquire Sergio Castillo from Edmonton and acquire him again at the deadline, I mean, Edmonton way out of it, two and two and six, although I think that's like second place in the East. Just kidding. I think uh, it would be third. But um, but maybe the, we do have those questions as we get closer to the deadline. I do try to bring um, somebody in. Uh, who? Lewis Ward on Ottawa. I mean, the questions are going to happen now. Uh, we have... I mean, the well, worst no, thing. Go get the Lucha, Lucha Libra, Castillo back. Uh, get the poncho and get the Lucha Libra mask back to Winnipeg. Listen, I'm not saying they need to do that. Yeah. But the Elks are going to be done at the trade deadline. If the Bombers do want to go that way, I have a feeling they could probably call Edmonton and see whether something could happen. Um, but that being said, I think it is unfair to talk about that honestly right now. I mean, obviously, that's the reaction of everyone when a kick like last night is missed. But I think it is important to note that Legio has been real solid in a number of the games that the Bombers have won. I can't remember if it was 18 of 19 or 19 or 18 of 20 or 19 of 21 coming in. But he'd been very, very solid and very consistent so far this season. So uh, for his sake, uh, I know the team won't quit on him right now. Um, as long as he bounces back from this and is the kicker that we've seen in the other nine games of the season, I think that he and the team should be fine. Um, but you do wonder what the sort of uh, emotional hangover from something like this is. And as I said, we'll talk about that with Troy because I imagine that's probably the most difficult part of the job that is the kicker uh, is to to move on over plays that have such an impact on the game. And if they, uh, you know, if it doesn't go your way, everyone's looking at you at the end. And I mean, that does have to be um, a lot to handle. Um, but it certainly is part of the job and what separates the guys that can be excellent and consistent at the pro level and guys that um, don't uh, don't have a job. Yeah, and they're going to be going into the bye weeks. So you're going to have an extra week to stew on this loss. They did ask Mike O'Shea us if, but what's going to happen uh, with the bye week now? Does this change? You think this changes plans or or what? <laughs> do, do we have the clip? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's that. Here's O'Shea. Uh, just. Um, well, he was asked, you know, how he's going to handle this uh, this going forward. It was supposed to be a bye week for the Bombers, who have played uh, 10 straight games without a bye. And just last one for me. Uh, on that note, uh, does this change anything about the bye week? How you guys approach that? Or Yeah, I've canceled all their plane tickets home, and everybody's going to be staying here grinding. No, shoot. There's no, there's nothing like that, right? You don't, yeah, it's not punishment. We lost one game. Right. What I need them to do is not punish themselves. I need them to move on very quickly and make sure that they have a bye week that they can relax and and get refreshed so they come back um, in a good frame of mind, ready to go. All right, some uh, some good perspective from Coach O'Shea. I got a crack out of that, and he said, "Yeah, plane tickets canceled. are canceled. All it's all practice all week." Um, that's a guy that has, well, two great cup rings as a head coach, knows his team very well. Um, and like Lowry's, Lowry's right hand said, uh, are we really in a meltdown over one loss here? Definitely not. I mean, the team is still the class of the league right now. They're still in first place. It was just, it was a shocking way that, uh, for the team to lose. And certainly you've got questions about the kicking game, um, because of what happened at the most important point, but 
all in all, Reem, I think if you ask most Bomber fans, if you ask the guys in the room, if you ask Mike O'Shea with the little true serum in him, would you take 9-1 and one going into the bye? They certainly would have done it. And like many people said, honestly, getting one loss in the loss column, not the worst thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, you know that they'll be back ready to go when they host the Calgary Stampeders uh, two weeks from yesterday after their first week off to uh, get a little R&R in this season. I do wonder how much the fatigue had caught up with them. I mean, it was kind of, you know, you had that game against Calgary where Zach Claris, I mean, he was on fire that game. Highest QB rating of the season. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. It seemed like the last two games against Montreal, you know, the team looked a bit sluggish. And I think the bye week will definitely um, definitely help them, uh, help them recover. And, you know, you have this schedule against a lot of East teams and multiple buys heading into the playoffs. So as long as they're good again, going into the playoffs, I mean, they should be, it should be fine, but uh, disappointing not to be undefeated. So, you no. know, talk about Brady Oliveira, show it to him, 15 carries, 84 yards. Oh, he and, had and some big plays last night. I mean, it was too bad that, you know, that so much of the focus is on the kicking game, but Hey, it is what it is. It's pro sports. That's the way it happens. Uh, I do have, this is a tease for you. Hang around till the end of the program. We've got marbles coming up. Some more great guests. I do have a video. Credit to us for not talking about the wave nonstop for the first 20 minutes. I do have a video, though, of my reaction while the wave was going around with 10 minutes left in the game. We will play that later on. Westy's coming up right now. Andrew Collier as well. Tomorrow, bark at the park at the Gold Eyes game. And our friends at Wallace & Wallace are fired up to be sponsoring Bark in the Park. If you and your furry friend are going to be at the game tomorrow, don't forget to drop by the Wallace and Wallace photo booth and get your portrait done. And while you're there, ask about their special offer. Bark in the Park ticket holders get a hundred bucks off a chain link dog run or fence. If you're not in the market for a dog run or been too busy enjoying the summer to worry about replacing your fence, now's the time to visit them at wallacefences.com. You can use their online calculator to compare costs on wood, vinyl, ornamental, and chain link. Or simply give them a call to talk to an expert or visit them at their showroom for Wallace and Wallace over on Lawson Road. Uh, great weekend for some barbecuing, folks. Why don't you pop by one of the local Vita Health Fresh markets to get your barbecue on uh, lean bison steaks, chicken, burgers, dogs, and great options as well, including non-alcoholic drinks like Sober Carpenter Beer and Clever Mocktails. Great additions for your barbecue spread for all of your guests. Of course, Vita Health Fresh Market is stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And check them out online at myvita.ca. Um, we've got one of the best-dressed men around coming up, uh, joining us in Westie. Uh, if you need to step up your game going into the fall, F Apparel's the place. Custom suits beginning at $400 and a great summer special. Three shirts custom made to fit for you in all sorts of styles and sizes. Three for 210 bucks. They've got all the other accessories you need. And hey, if you are in a wedding or planning one, talk to Andrew and the gang there about a 15% discount for suits for all the fellas that won't be one and done like uh, so many of you that uh, have unfortunately had to rent at times before. They are down at 190 Smith Street downtown and online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And hey, once again, a big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake for the amazing weekend we had last week. If you're thinking about an amazing fishing experience, 
for a friends and family trip or a corporate outing. Find out more online at AkinsLake.com or hit our boy Pitt Turen up at Aikens Lake and get planning for next year. All right, Westy is uh, about to join us on the program. No one better to talk about the uh, kicking situation with the club than uh, than with the goat, Mister Six Sixty One, who joins us now on the program. Westy, what's up? Thanks so much for doing this. How are you, my friend? Living the dream, boys. How you guys doing? Well, same thing. Although I was kind of hoping, I certainly was expecting at the end of the game we'd be talking about a ten and O team going into the bye. Um. Westy, you've uh, you have the unique perspective of um, doing that job for so long. What was your reaction to what happened at the end of regulation, and then, of course, in overtime after the game winner was uh, shanked the way it was? Yeah, and you know, I really, I just, I just gotta say the way I feel, right? I mean, that's the way we did it when we were back in the old days on air. So that's the worst poorly contacted ball I've ever seen on a big kick. I don't, I don't understand, you know, when you're there, when you're that close and as a, prof, you know, as a professional kicker, the repetition and everything, right, striking the ball. And I'm not talking about hitting your target necessarily, but I'm talking about making contact with the ball. I do not understand, boys, how on a 32-yard field goal, you contact the ball so poorly that that ball I don't know what kind of rotation that was and you missed that far away. And like on top of everything, how, how do you contact the ball when you are trying to crush it and it lands, I don't know, five yards deep into the end zone. I don't get that at all. I, I understand missing your target, man. Like that's going to happen, but you know, a 32 yarder, no wind of any sort of, uh, you know, for him to strike it low and hard like that. I, I don't understand that at all. So none of, it's just, it was a horrible kick. And then you know dang well on that the one in overtime that he's got like you're dealing with demons inside your head, negative thoughts, all that sort of stuff, and he just doesn't quite catch it the way it does. And now he's in a remarkable uphill battle for his career here with the Bombers going forward. But that first kick, boys, from 32 yards was the worst struck ball I've ever seen in in high level football in a big kick. Uh, Westy, <laughs> um, I mean you've been in that situation so many times before. From that down and distance, with the clock being what it was, knowing that it was the final play of regulation, um, what, like what what is or what should be the thought process of a kicker going into that, knowing that this is the Canadian Football League and a single also wins the game? Yeah, you got two main thoughts here, brother. The first one is vertical. I want because I don't want that ball getting blocked, so I'm going straight up into the O zone with the ball, which is why it's so. You know, if you if you were kicking a 45-yarder and had a crosswind of 40 kilometers, I can understand where he actually contacted the ball because you're you're trying to drive it into a place. But when you're that close and you you can't have the ball blocked, so you're going completely vertical with the ball. That's that's the first thing, first and foremost. Second thing is, if I miss this sucker, if I don't go through the uprights, this ball is going to the back of the end zone. So I'm going to crush that sucker as hard as I can. I'm kicking it straight up in the air. And either way, we're winning this doggone game. If I make the kick, if somehow it does, and I think he's got enough leg for sure to go through the back of the end zone if you make decent contact with it, right? People think, well, that's a 55-yard field. Well, no, that, that's the ball landing right at the line at 55 yards or whatever, and that's going to happen, man. So I just – but the primary thought for me in that situation – 
you know, if I'm out there with Bobby, we're talking about it going out of the field, that this can't get blocked. And that means I'm going straight up vertical into the ozone with the kick, which is why I don't understand whatsoever how he could have made such god-awful contact with it. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, for it to be so short into the end zone and come out, I, I mean, the one thing I will say is the the scenario, the way that it played out, I'm sure it was the absolute last thing that anybody on the kick team would have thought of. I mean, part of me going through it afterwards on the way home from the game, they're almost luckily the way that happened that it didn't get returned back for a game-winning touchdown because... Let's face it. They were thinking about blocking and getting that kicking up. Never in a million years, I think, did anyone think that they'd have to be making a tackle on that play. That's a great point. And being that shallow, like you're mentioning there, Huss, you're talking yeah. about yeah. you, you the, the possibility of getting around the corner that much quicker. That's a great point that you bring up. Wouldn't um, that have been something? L- let me ask you this uh, uh, about Legio. I mean... He's got the bye week, so maybe you can speak to what that bye week is going to be like and how he can come back. The thing about it is we knew it was very sketchy last year. They went through a few kickers. They ended up getting a guy that not only did he get the job done, my opinion probably should have been the MVP in the Great Cup in Castillo. He left for more money. You knew what the situation was. Legio gets another chance. And the thing about it is, Westy, with the exception of the second half of the BC game this year, he's been basically perfect. Um, But this... I mean, one kick in that job can change everything. Does this change much? How does he bounce back from this? And how crucial will be strong games in the next couple of games for him, despite the real strong first half of the season that he's already had? It's a great question. And and what kind of confuses me on that a little bit is just the extraordinary loyalty we've seen from Mike O'Shea in similar situations like this. So yeah, he's going to get the call the next game, right? So this entire a week here until he plays again. Uh is walking around with he's wrestling, mental negative thoughts, things of that nature. When you're still young in your career, you don't have sort of Ooh, did we lose Westy? We might have got into a little bit of a dead zone there, Reem. Yeah, we, yeah, he uh, he dropped out. That could be. Well, we'll see if we can get him back. I, I love um and just get you back in here, Reem, and we'll see if uh, Westy can uh, can rejoin. Um that is the, I mean, to me, the challenge going forward. I mean, the team itself is going to be fine. Um, but unfortunately for Legio, who has been great so far this season, um, this is the one fans will remember, and I'm not sure that's going to matter much inside the dressing room. Publicly, all of his teammates are going to support him publicly. But you know, in quiet conversations between a couple of the guys and or behind the closed door of Mike O'Shea's office, that there, there's a plan B here in place. And so uh, Mark doesn't want to see anyone else come to challenge him in practice, but you, he's got to be strong in practice out of the gate. And, and ultimately what he's got to do is have a perfect or a near perfect game upcoming when he gets the next opportunity. Westy, very simply, professional kicking in uh, the Canadian Football League or the NFL for that matter. We know, I mean, there's so many guys with big legs. How much of the job is mental? 90 for sure for sure 90 right because i mean even just that that's just the flat it's it's very similar to golf in that sort of manner fellas and and it's and and you know i think that's the best sort of analogy to use so that more people can understand what's at work here if you are really struggling in your golf game when you get up on the tee box think about where your mind's at all the negative thoughts that you have and that sort of thing and pushing all of those aside 
to have a real nice solid swing and that sort of thing is, is challenging and difficult to do. Well, take that times it by a thousand for the next time uh, Mark is out there for a field goal. Right? Those are the kind of thoughts that he's going to be wrestling and dealing with. It is 90% for sure. It might be more than that, but it's, it's a good solid 90% is mental. I like the analogy to golf because I mean, but unlike a golf round where you've got 72 or 80 shots, I mean, essentially imagine the entire round coming down to two putts or something like that. And that basically was the uh, situation. Westy, just on the way out, all that being said, going into the bye week, this team's nine and one. Uh, uh, This isn't a huge setback for them, is it? In some ways, I mean, it might be a little bit of a wake up call and I think could almost help them in the second half of the year. Certainly not dealing with the perfect season and everything that comes along with that. Yeah, it's in no way a setback, right? Like the, how far out uh, the, the number of links in uh, for a lead here that they've got um, on the backstretch or turning the corner sort of thing uh, with their season. But I would say this, though, fellas, I don't think it would be hard to argue that this year's version of the team, even with their record, like they were not, um, they don't appear to be as strong as they have been the last couple of seasons in capturing the cup. Last year, when they were struggling with kicking, they were still winning their games, right? And, and boy, you can just kind of brush it off and push it aside when that position's struggling and you're still winning games. So, but now this year, like, you just kind of wonder here down the second half of the season, if things don't get straightened out and upcoming with the playoffs, I wonder how, um, how patient a guy like Coach O'Shea will be in this situation, if there's any further hiccups upcoming here uh, from Mark going forward. But yeah, they, they still look spectacular. And it's just amazing. I was giggling the other day, fellas, I was talking to somebody and there's going to be an entire generation, whether they win this year or not, probably an entire generation of bomber fans that are like, there was a drought. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to know this dynastic enterprise and, and, and team that uh, flourished under the Canadian mafia, man. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, there was a drought. There's a whole generation. Oh, the drought, what drought are you talking about? They don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand what we all went through. And I'll tell you what, last <laughs> night was a perfect example. I mean, there was a lot of tons of young people out there in big groups with friends having a great time. And, you know, I mean, man, if you were, you know, 16 or 15 years old, when all of this started, you're now 19, you're 20 years old. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, all you know is winning, and that's what was so shocking for people leaving the building last night. Listen, Westy, thanks so much for doing this. Let's uh, let's get out to a Valor game soon, my friend. I appreciate you joining me as always. An absolute pleasure. And, hey, big shout-out to Wallace and Wallace, my friend. They came in, did a fantastic dog run for us, uh, and a big uh, part of it was being a part of your show and, and seeing the advertising, that sort of thing. So, uh, awesome dog run from Wallace and Wallace. Westy, you made my day. Uh, listen, let's get out soon, man. Take care, and uh, thanks so much for doing this. No one better to talk about uh, the kicking game and the big blue than uh, than you. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Take care, boys. Good stuff. The one and only Troy Westwood with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I almost said uh, our old station so used to talking to Westy in those forums. Anyways, great to have Troy on the program. All right, Rowicki's coming up a little later on. We're going to talk with Dustin Nielsen, who called the game last night, get his take on it. Uh, before we do that, big thanks to Culligan Water, the water experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba for over 65 years, family-owned. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. They're at 694 
Visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com. Those jerseys look great last night. I will say that. Don't blame the kits. Uh, and man, lots of fans were there. But as Greg mentioned, uh, right now, if you do want to get one of those new Bomber jerseys, uh, they've got Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, Zach Caleros, named a number Rory at Royal, or the blanks like I was wearing yesterday on the show. And the bottom line is when you're thinking uh, your favorite team and uh, anything, any cool merchandise, Royal Sports is the place. Uh, nowhere has a bigger selection. Uh, and whether it's Bombers, Jets, um, NHL, NFL, NBA, might even have a little rider gear for your demented friends from uh, from Saskatchewan. I kid, of course. It's all there at Royal, not to mention massive hockey section, soccer, baseball, bikes, fitness, disc golf, tennis, and more. 750 Pemina Highway. And follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Hey, the weekend is here. The weekend always goes a bit better with some little brown jug. Uh, we're going to talk to actually Andrew Collier from the Gold Eyes a little later on, setting up a big weekend at the ballpark. And little brown jug, Hefeweizen, and the Black Lager on tap this week in this homestand at Craft Beer Corner. And, of course, if you want to pick up the great taste of little brown jug, pop by the brewery and tap room on William Avenue or check them online at littlebrownjug.ca and save the date. We'll have ticket information next week for you. But I'll be hosting the first ever sports trivia night with Winnipeg Sports Talk and Little Brown Jug Thursday, September 1st. Looking forward to seeing many of you out there. Should be a great, great night. Hopefully we'll hook up some great prizes. But uh, a few pints of fun sports trivia and uh, getting the WST crew together. Sign me up for it September 1st. Make a note. Hope to see you there. And a big thanks to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Saw Trev and the gang last night all dolled up supporting the Bombers. Of course, great supporters of Winnipeg Sports, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place to go before you start your search on a new vehicle. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? They are at Waverly and McGilvery. Or check out more online on uh, everything they've got in the lot, the new Winnipeg Car Lab, and more online at not.ca. All right. Had a high-level lock shop meeting this morning with my pal Dustin Nielsen, who, of course, was in town to call the game last night. He'll be heading out this afternoon to call tomorrow's game between BC and Calgary. But let's bring in the big guy right now to get his thoughts on the wild one last night at IG Field, the Bombers' first loss of the season. What's going on? What a, what a crazy game Buddy, last night. That was, a, that was an insane night. The Canadian Football League just delivers. It's as simple as that. Like The drama last night. Ed, I know you said there's more to talk about than the wave. But let's be <laughs> honest. Let's be honest. I saw that wave start up. They're up by seven. And I thought of you somewhere out in that crowd not doing the wave. Like In my mind, I was just like, there's one guy sitting there being like, no, you're ruining it for everybody. Because I looked. I remember I saw it start and I looked at the clock. And it said 10-22 remaining in the fourth quarter. And I just thought, man, with what's on the line here, I don't know this is a good idea. And, on top, I mean, on top of it, it was a very well-executed way. Like, must have been 95%. Everybody was loving it. I had people in the suites to the right of me doing it. Um, but it went on for like two and a half minutes. They were still doing the wave at the eight minute mark when I look back. So it, it was a full yeah. victory lap before the yeah. game was over. I mean, yeah, let's it call was. it what it was. Now, I will say this. You know, and maybe that's the 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 cost when you have you know the extra six thousand people that are maybe there more for the event and partying. Um, 
I mean, I really blame the people that started the wave because yeah. there's a lot of <laughs> folks that are just going to get in no matter what. Yeah. Maybe, you know, haven't seen the dark side of what you do, what happens when the wave comes way too early in a game you need to win. They're oblivious <laughs> to what happens when you start waving at that point, but they're having a great time. And, I mean, 31,000 there last night. It was it was an awesome night at IG Field. It was incredible. Well, I mean, I was going to say that to you. I mean, you've been all around the league and doing many games. I mean, it just seems to keep getting better and better here in Winnipeg. And yeah. last night's result notwithstanding, I mean, to top out 30K, uh, the atmosphere in the building beforehand during was absolutely phenomenal. And in some ways, I guess that sort of carried over into maybe a bit of a premature celebration. But honestly, I mean, you've been coming here for a few years. Have you noticed it as well? I mean, uh, it just seems to be the momentum that this team has on the field and in the stands is uh, at a point I can't ever remember being at. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive, to be honest with you. Like I said on my show earlier in the week, I think the atmosphere at IG Field is the best in the country for any sporting event. Like when you go there, it's it's a phenomenal event. I mean, better than anything you'll see in the National Hockey League. And like last night was a Thursday night. Today's Friday. Like it was a Thursday night, and they packed 31,000 in there. And uh, it was just a good buzz overall in general around the city. You get to the airport, you, you see it. Um, last night after the game, you know, I popped in quickly to the Elephant and Castle here at the hotel after the, after the game, and you know everybody was talking about it. It was uh, it's it's a it's a good buzz. But I mean, when you last night would have been thirteen in a row at home. They've lost what three two meaningful games over the last two seasons. So I mean, not only is it a great atmosphere, but you got this juggernaut to cheer for, which obviously helps. We we did have a funny conversation over a beer after the game, and I did say, well, you know what, if we wanted to give the fans in the crowd a break on the wave. Maybe you just forget what it's like when you've won two straight championships and are nine and zero so far in the season. I mean, sort of things you normally are worried about and superstitious about go out the window when all you do is win. That being said, they were probably bound to lose at some point. Um, it happened now. They move into the bye week. It'll be interesting to see how they come back. Um, but I wanted to ask you. We've heard the calls. Um, it was truly incredible that. I mean, the play, the kick to win the game, I mean, that's it. And there's been a few terrible kicks this year in the Canadian Football League, very short, makeable kicks that should be automatic. But the fact that this one didn't even have a chance of getting a single was, I think, the thing that was so incredibly shocking about the entire. How did you see that final play? I I was stunned, man. I was absolutely stunned. And then after you kind of settled down and think about it, on the way home, um, and it takes a while traffic wise to get out of IG field. So you've got a lot of time to think in the car. So I was sitting there and we're talking about it. We're listening to the post game show. And I was just like, all he had to do is miss it clean. Like just miss it clean. And you probably win that game 18, 17. It was essentially the only thing outside of a block. The only thing that could have happened that wasn't going to win them that football game. So, you know, I know when the, on the broadcast, right on the kick, I, th I think I said the hold is good. And we got another look at it, and I thought it looked okay. I know one of my producers who was a kicker in college, he tweeted out today saying that he didn't think the hold was good, and that was the reason that Legio missed it. But, I mean, the ball was down, the laces were out. It was it was held pretty well, and uh, just just an all-time bad kick. I, could, I was stunned, and then good on Philpott because it took a bounce. And he able to get in front of it and then get that ball out to make sure that they didn't give up the the one. So it was uh, at that point you're kind of just like, okay, wait a second, what's happening? Even when even when Zach had that fumble in the fourth quarter, you're like, hey, that's that's strange. It's like when Donnie didn't roll a strike in the Big Lebowski. 
and then dies just moments later. That's kind of the feeling that I was getting. And, you know, a huge shout out to Trevor Harris, too. Like of all the quarterbacks who've had a chance to lead a game winning drive or a game tying drive against the Bombers over the last few years, when Harris came out, you know, I think most of us Mm. who've been around this league during this Bombers stretch, you're just thinking, oh, this is this is when the Bombers defense ends it. Like this is when Willie gets a sack or they get an interception that's deflected three times or something like that. And Harris made a couple of great throws, especially to Winicky, to put them in a spot to, to tie that game. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, credit to Harris. And I, I mean, listen, I thought Zach Caleros had a hell of a game, too. I mean, uh, it, it, this was not the vintage bombers on the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was he was pressured. He was chased. And, you know, some of his best plays, I mean, particularly the touchdown to Sean, was just brilliant improvisation and buying himself time to make a play. And, um but as far as the fourth quarter goes, I mean, it almost seemed, I mean, I'm sure you guys were mentioning it. I mean, a complete repeat of last week. I yep. mean, you get through tight through three quarters, bombers get the ball, boom, hundred yard drive up by a touchdown. And that of course was at the time when I think people thought, okay, we've seen this one before. They've got this thing. Uh, they've got this thing taken care of, but credit to Montreal. They tie it up, but then the bombers drive all the way back into a spot where you're almost guaranteed of a shirt field goal. And I mean, if that one goes in like it would for nine times out of 10, um, we're sitting here talking about a team that just finds a way to get it done. I mean, it almost took divine intervention yeah. to finally put one in the loss column for the bombers. last. Well, night. what was, what was crazy about it? And we pointed this out on the post game video that we did for the website at tsn.ca is before both of those kicks, Legio had an extended period of time to think about it, right? Because there was the fumble that they reviewed uh, by Oliveira on that play to set up the field goal. We had a little bit of extra time there. And then they challenged the play in overtime. So we had a little bit of extra time there. And I'm just not sure he's a guy who, you know, maybe can deal with the extra time and letting that pressure build up. Because prior to last night, I mean, he was, I had him down as 18 of 20 heading in, heading into that game. Maybe it was 19 of 21, but I had, he's kicking 90% on the year coming into that game last night. But in both of those situations, it wasn't just a, Hey, trot out there and knock one home. It was a, wait a second. There's going to be a little bit of a stoppage here. And I mean, I I just can't believe the way that it all went down. And you mentioned it like at the fourth beginning of the fourth quarter, it was like a switch flip. And we were talking about it on the broadcast. It was just like, oh, all of a sudden they just finished off a 100-yard drive. Brady Oliveira, 19 yards. And here come the Bombers again. Because going into the fourth quarter last night, they'd outscored the opposition 80-38 to in the fourth quarter. And I asked Jackson Jeffcoat, I was on a Zoom call with him earlier in the week, and I said, what is it about the fourth quarter? Like, you just Because last week, you know, the special teams return. There was a sack in the fourth quarter. There was an interception in the fourth quarter. You know, their defense usually just steps up and make plays. And I said, what happens? Like, what's said? He goes, that's the thing. Nothing has to be said. Like, everybody knows you just get to the fourth quarter. And it's time to lock it down. And last night, maybe it was fitting the way that they managed to get to Zach and knock that ball away because early in the game, he had no time. It wasn't until Pierce made some adjustments and got him rolling out of the pocket that the Bombers really kind of able to get the offense going. So what a, what a game. What a rematch. It was terrific last night. Well, and I'll tell you what. Um I mean, certainly regular, the expected CFL excitement we got out of that game, the game you're calling tomorrow night, um, marquee matchup if there was one. I mean, uh, give us a little preview of this BC uh, Calgary game from what you've been digging into. Uh, I'm really excited to watch this one, even with no skin in the game. Yeah, I'm excited to call this one. Um, you know, now last night, 
you know, I was just like, ah, oh. and then when I came into the week, I was like, can't wait for that game on Saturday. And then last night's game happens, and I, I don't know how the game on Saturday lives up to the one that we called last night, but I mean, Nathan Rourke. I mean, you got Nathan Rourke uh, heading into Calgary, and what's kind of interesting, we talked about a little bit on the way home last night. You know, the Bombers lost. As fun as it would have been to have been like, hey, they're 12-0. Can they do it again? 13-0. If the Lions go and beat Calgary, I mean, the Bombers are at 9-1 and and the Lions are at 7-1. So, I think that would be, I mean, that would be excellent if we get this push down the season. And BC and Winnipeg play two of the final three weeks of the year. If they're both like 14-2 and two or something, that's going to set up for some great drama late in the season. But uh, Calgary's interesting. They're they're banged up. They're banged up still. Um, you know, they won't have Kadeem Carey in this game, which is going to make a huge difference. Mind you, Dedrick Mills, who played last week, was actually really good, and they've been hyped about him all year. So we'll get a look at that. But the BC Lions, I mean, Rourke, I did that game last week, man, and he's just – He's ridiculous. I mean, he goes 34 of 37. And I know for sure I thought at least two of the balls could have been caught that weren't caught. So think about that for a second. And then, you know, five touchdowns on top of it. He's on a record-setting pace. Right now he's on pace to break Doug Flutie's all-time touchdown record by six. So we'll see if Calgary will be at home. It should be a pretty good crowd there on, on Saturday night. We'll see if Calgary can slow him down. But you know, I know he hasn't been perfect every single game, but – He's been very impressive and having a chance to get to know him a little bit. Like we do usually like a Zoom call with the quarterbacks, the coaches, and another player every week on our broadcast. So I've got to talk to Nate quite a bit this year. And he just I mean, for 24 years old, he's mature beyond his years. It's it's insane. Like I try to get it out of him. How does he wind down after a game? He goes, ah, it's it's kind of tough. He goes, he's just so engulfed in football. Like he doesn't really do anything else. It's it's remarkable. And you know what? Great chance for Calgary here. Both these teams have only lost to the Bombers. So if Calgary can go out and beat BC, um, I think that says a lot about the Calgary Stampeders. But Bo Levi will have to be better than he's been than he's been lately. He had a couple of good games at the beginning of the year, but he's been kind of pedestrian as of late for the Stamps, and they'll need him to step up big time. Yeah, loss of Trey Roberson, I think, is going to be yep. impactful as well in that Calgary secondary with the way Rourke's been, uh, been flinging it. And... You know, just to your point about BC, you know, potentially getting to seven and one. I mean, this does certainly make, I think, things a lot more interesting going forward in that I really believe that if the Bombers, like, I don't think Calgary or BC or anyone's coming into Winnipeg in the middle of November in the cold and beating the Bombers for a chance to go to the Grey Cup. Unless there's a wave. Well, (laughs) stop it. Triggering me. (laughs) Um, But to be honest, I mean, BC... On their home turf, I know the Bombers look great and took care of them in there. I mean, I think that would be, you know, if we are talking about first place being up for grabs in those final two weeks yeah. of the season or the two games for the Bombers, I think BC has one in the middle. Um, certainly would be an incredible way because I think first place in the West is unbelievably important, maybe more so this year even than normal. Yeah, it would be very important. I don't know how much Calgary ends up factoring into it, um, but they've they've found a way so far, right? So they've done a pretty good job as well. The top end of the West is is pretty is pretty impressive right now. There's there's no denying it. It's it's really fun football. Even that other game on Saturday, man. Uh, Elks and Riders. Like the Riders got to get back on track here. They started the year very well. Lost three in a row going into their bye week. If they come out of a bye week and go to Edmonton and lose, uh, that is not going to go over very well in that city for sure. Uh, Dusty, this has been awesome. Uh, folks, if you haven't already, obviously you're enjoying what he's doing on uh, on TSN. Uh, if you're missing sports in the morning, get on the app, check out the Nielsen Show on TSN 1260, and make sure you have subscribed to The Lock Shop. We'll have a new episode on Tuesday. And unlike 
the attendees last night. I'm not even going to refer to anything. I'm just going to say, hopefully we will be as excited even more that on Tuesday's show than we've been for the last four weeks. Real ones know what I'm talking about. Uh, Dusty, have a great one, my man, and a great call tomorrow night. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. All right, great stuff with the big guy. New lock shop, and uh, we'll announce some very exciting stuff for the lock shop heading into football season next week. So make sure to join us if you haven't checked it out already. Wherever you get the Winnipeg Sports Talk podcast or skates and plates, as Brandon Rewicki's coming up next, type in the lock shop and make sure you subscribe. Uh, bigger and better things coming in the uh, next month into NFL season. All right, uh, we've been talking a lot of bombers. We will always do that courtesy of our friends at Princess Auto. Great sponsors of Blue Bomber Football and, of course, the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Bye week next week. But a week, uh, I guess two weeks from yesterday, the 25th, the Stamps are in town. Should be another great game, great crowd, and great party at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Before the game, make sure you head out there for $5 beers, three fifty hot dogs and pop. And great music from our man DJ Finesse and prizes from the Princess Auto crew. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, two locations in Winnipeg, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hey, congrats to Nick and Nikki and the entire DQ team. The Miracle Treat Day yesterday seemed to be a huge hit with all that money going to the Children's Miracle Network and the Children's Hospital here in Manitoba. You may have missed Miracle Treat Day, but it's still a great time to go get a blizzard, a stack burger, or maybe a cake for the weekend. Pop by any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hit them up on Instagram as well, DQ Manitoba, if you want to custom order a cake in advance. And, uh, hey, lots of CC and Gingers cranked back last night at the game, both in the tailgate zone and at the game. Of course, Canadian Club, proud sponsor of the Bombers and all the great Beam Centauri products available throughout IG Field. But the one you saw a lot of yesterday was uh, right there on the YouTube screen, the new Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Pick it up in six packs at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Mart. Ready to drink. All you need is a cooler, and you are set. All right, let's get uh, Brandon Rewicki in for uh, his weekly visit to the program. Quieter. We'll get to Jet stuff in a minute, but uh, Rue, I guess uh, it was too much to ask for this team just to win every single game, but uh, <laughs> what a crazy way that that one ended. Um, with uh, As Westy, who just joined us, said, um, one of the worst struck kicks that he's ever seen, considering the distance that they needed, the single would have won the game. It was just a bizarre way for this one to even get to overtime. And, uh, you know, sad for Legu because he's had such a great first half of the season with the pressure that was on him at the start of the year. But uh, unfortunately, you shank something like that in that situation. And uh, a lot of the good you've done building up in the first nine weeks goes out the window pretty fast. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> All of it's gone. I, I honestly, I, it was the, it was the last thing I thought of when I went to bed, and it was the first thing I thought of when I woke up because I'm not even mad. I'm, I'm like in awe of it. It was, it was the worst kick I've ever seen in, in pro football. I mean, maybe even in football in general. But you just, like, we all just assumed like it must have got blocked or tipped, right? Like, there's no way, no way a professional kicker would 
duck hook one off like like they're off the first tee at, at breezy bend you know with the first old jitters I, I i still don't know what to make of it and then you know it's something we all probably could have laughed at if he drills the what was it 35 37 yarder after that like tie it up like okay whatever it happened it happened but you have a chance to redeem yourself and then he clanks one so i i, I think like i think people saying that he should lose his job or should be cut are being a little harsh because he is this team's punter. But I don't know how, if you're Kyle Walters, you don't bring a kicker in immediately after after the bye week, or at least when the first round of NFL cuts are made, because we went through this last year, and look, I know it's just one one game and a couple of kicks, and he's been good this year, but you're, you're kidding yourself if you honestly can say to yourself, I trust Mark Leggio to make a big kick when the Bombers need one, and they're probably going to need one, and it's probably going to be with a Western final or a great cup on the line. No, uh, it, you know, you're right. I mean, it's certainly something I'm sure they're thinking about right now. Knowing Mike O'Shea and what he's built in that room and the fact that they have the luxury of, you know, having nine wins on the season already, I have no doubt he'll get the opportunity. I'm not sure. I would doubt that they bring another guy in right next week, but it won't take much to have some competition. And, of course, I believe Ali Murtad is still in the practice roster, so you still do have a guy in. But, I mean, listen, Legio has won the job but only missed two kicks all season for field goals. He had missed a few extra points. Um, but, anyways, just a bizarre way to uh, to break the streak. And it was wild walking out of the game last night. I mean, listen, it was a fun, fun night, a great crowd. I mean, everything about last night was amazing, with the exception of the way that the game finished. Uh, but it wasn't like people were cantankerous or angry. They were just sort of shocked. And I mean, there's a lot. Westy was mentioning there's a whole generation of fans that don't remember the dark days. I mean, they're just not used to ever losing. I know. It's that, that's what's hilarious about the whole. And even Mike O'Shea, like the camera goes right to him after after it hits the upright, and he's laughing, like visibly just laughing because <laughs> it's it's it, this whole thing is just ridiculous. Like the Bombers are going for the undefeated season. And then you have one of the wilder kicking, maybe the wildest kicking finish in, in, in CFL history there. And I, yeah, I, I still don't know what to make of it, man. I mean, look, there were a lot of issues that popped up in that game that Bombers fans can can point to and say, this needs to get cleaned up pretty quickly here. Most notably the the interior of that offensive line who have had, what, like three, three out of the past four weeks have been pretty rough for them. And Kalaros is getting banged up pretty good, but... Man, like if we're talking about should you punt it through the end zone or kick a field goal when you're at the 25 yard line, <laughs> I, I just I, I I I'm I'm still a little flabbergasted at people defending Mark Leggio and all this. Like it was a chip shot field goal and he didn't even make it to the end zone. I, I I'm just I'm blown away that this happened in pro football. As Rob Pepper, this might be the comment of the day in the chat. The Wendy's kick to win had better kickers. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I feel for him, though. I mean, that job is, uh, you know, most of the time you are not even in the conversation. Uh, and then when you screw up, it can be the only thing everyone's talking about. And honestly, if you look at the game, you mentioned the interior of the offensive line. Uh, I thought that Zach Claros was running for his life sometimes and was brilliant at times outside of the pocket, especially touchdown to Dalton Schoen. Uh, but this team is capable of much better. They'd be the first ones to tell you. And I think most of the guys in that room are not going to hang this one on Mark Leggio. Although they did look... I would. 
<laughs> they did look quite a bit like that bomber team that just stepped up fourth quarter. No problem. Hundred yard drive. It's and crazy. Then, hey? and, and I mean, the drive that they, if he makes that kick, which he should 99 out of a hundred times, maybe 99.5. Um, we're just talking about how oh, this team just decided, oh, okay, we have to win the game now. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I mean that drive, the hundred yarder was impeccable. And when they got the ball back and they went down, I mean, that is exactly what, Mike O'Shea, Buck Pierce was asking. They did everything that you would expect a team to do that would win the game. And, well, as we all know, it it, it didn't end up that way. But this team's still in pretty darn good shape, I think. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll, they should be okay, right? I mean, like, on top of it, too, they're, what, like a fingernail away from from a, a stuff on third and goal, which, I mean, from a league where receivers are consistently three to four yards offside on every single play to, to go on the fingernail on that, whatever oh. we're not, we're not going to go there, but yeah, they're look, they, they might lose one or two more games the rest of the regular season. So it, if anything, it might not be the worst thing in the world to lose a, a semi meaningless game, right? Where all the pressure of the undefeated season is thrown off you and they can just go ahead and, and focus on getting home field and, and focus on making it a three peat. Yeah, the only the only thing this team needs to worry about is making sure that that West Final is in Winnipeg. And you want to go to the Grey Cup, you got to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in November in IG Field. Brandon Rewicki is with us from Skates and Plates. Uh, uh, what have you been talking about this week? And it's been a little slow. Um, of course, we did have Mason Appleton on the show earlier. He got a three-year deal, and uh, the Gus bus is back on a two-year deal, which was interesting. Um both of these players, I think we all expect would get done. There wouldn't be any arbitration. I mean, what have you thought about? What do you think about the deals? And what do you think about where this leaves the Winnipeg Jets with a pretty determined number of cap space now that the RFAs are signed going into uh, this final month of the offseason that you've been so enthusiastic about? <laughs> yeah. You know, pe- people were debating the Mason Ableton contract. Like he signed a seven year, $7 million deal, right? Cause we haven't had it's August. It's Some August. people are just picking it up. I was, people are saying it's a whole run. Some people are like, this is the worst contract. How could you go three years? I, I like Appleton. I've always been a big fan. I, I might be a little biased cause I, I, I like his game a lot, but you know, if anything too, the, the jets inactivity this off season in terms of, you know, making moves, kind of points to how important signing a guy like Appleton to three years at a, at a relatively good number is because look, Chevy wanted Danton Heinen offered him more than, I mean, triple the amount that he got didn't sign here. Same with Kelly Yarncroke doesn't sign. Like it's the, the jets have proven. It's difficult to attract even middle six talent to come and sign here. And if you can get, get a guy like Mason Appleton who will be in his twenties for the entirety of the deal, I, I really don't see an issue with it. I, I definitely lean towards it being a bit of a home run than, than it being a bit of a negative for, for the Jets on this one. And I, I think, you know, if we're talking about his ceiling, there, there's the chance he could be a support piece on a line inside the top six somewhere. Well, like, you I, know I think there's a bit of skill there. I, I, well, for sure. And you know what? If you dig into the analytic numbers, analytic numbers, the one thing that really pops off the page is his forechecking and his success of winning battles in the offensive zone. And listen, I don't think the guy's ever going to be a trigger man that's going to put in 25 or 30 goals in in a season. But I'll tell you what, the ability to win battles, to be first on the puck, to get the puck, and dish it to talented offensive players that need the puck. I, I Listen, I'm not sure that it happens right now, but over the course of this contract, 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets that opportunity at some point, and I wouldn't rule out him being, to use your word, a very great complementary player to some top offensive guys. And if you can have that, uh, then you're getting closer to really balancing out that lineup. Although I do think at the start, he'll be back with Adam Lowry, and those guys historically have been quite good together. And Lowry was far more productive post-All-Star break and trade deadline once he had Appleton back, considering Veselainen and the other guys that were on his wings to begin the season. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at like something 30-ish points from Appleton. Play penalty kill is like, I don't know. I, I really don't see a downside to it at all. I and I think the trade, the, the reacquisition of Appleton is going to go down as as one of Chevy's more savvier moves, right? Like you essentially give up, what was it, a fourth-round pick to, to lose Appleton for 40 games. Uh, you know, I after the negative offseason, to, to put it one way, this was a move that I think Chevy did did pretty well on here. Now, having said that, you know, looking at the Appleton deal, one of the one of the few right wingers on the roster, you you look at the team's depth chart on the right side, and TSN.ca did kind of a not even an analytical piece, but just a look a at a hit piece. A hit piece. Well, <laughs> it's 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 a hit piece if it's not true, man. If it's true, then it's just a, a cold splash of reality. The, the Jets are weak at right wing. And, and that's where, like, I like Mason Appleton. And I, I think Cole Perfetti's going to be good. But compared to other teams in the NHL, they're, I mean, below average is probably best case scenario going into this season. And that's if they hold on to Blake Wheeler. If, if they move on from him, you know, despite what people may think of him at this point in his career, the Jets are in a bit of a trouble spot there. And even with the high-end skill of Connor and Ehlers and all that, you know, you look at the the forward group, and it seems almost sacrilegious to say because they've got so much talent, but are they better than average? Like is, this, is this just like an average forward group in the NHL? Because while they've got some high-end talented pieces, there's major, major depth issues on this team. Oh. And, and we've seen the lack of autumn six production over, what, two, three, four seasons now. It, it's I don't know. I've always just kind of like it's one of those things maybe you take for granted with how good they had been in years past. But you look at it now and it's it's kind of tough to argue. I, I guess it's maybe more so other teams have leveled up a little bit and the Jets have either stagnated or regressed. But this isn't this isn't a high end forward group anymore. And that's that's pretty disappointing to say. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, there's a very clear delineation right now between the top six and the bottom six. And that's including Blake Wheeler and assuming he's still that player. Uh, and of course, that assuming that he's still a member of the hockey club. The one thing that this does though, with the signing of Appleton and Gus, it gives them some clarity as to how much cap space they have. And I know there's been talk and Weaver was on yesterday saying that he still thinks that they'll sniff around on some free agents. I do sort of think that if that was going to happen, that may have already happened. And you can always circle back or maybe some guys realize that what they hope was going to be there for them on the market wasn't there. And, They've got to take, you know, less money or an option that maybe they weren't originally considering. My personal opinion, though, know, reading the tea leaves of how many teams are up or over the cap right now, is that cap space that the Jets do have can be incredibly valuable. And, I mean, for me, if I had to peg what I would like to see happen, I think what makes the most sense they have to move one of these defensemen. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to go in. And uh, I mean, I think there'd be some real, 
I mean, whether it hurts the team on the ice, I mean, if you're sending a Sandberg and Billy Hanela back just because they're not waiver exempt to keep all those guys, I, wait, wait, I don't what are you think doing? Yeah. it's not a great way to start the season all. I don't think it sends a good message. But if you can move one of the veteran defensemen to a team that needs a little bit of cap relief, you move a three or a $4 million defenseman, and maybe there's a five or a $6 million forward that can come back um, your cap distribution moves a little bit more from the blue line to the forward group, which I think will be important. Gives an opportunity for a younger player to come in and play and helps the Jets where they need it the most. And that is exactly as you just laid out in a forward group that's been really depleted this offseason and over the last few years. Yeah, that, that's the route I would go, right? Because there, there's some decent, I mean, Sonny Milano's the best of the bunch right now, but even then, he's not necessarily a needle mover, right? Like, how much is that going to, like, we're talking, like, maybe an extra win added or, or two to the, right? Like, it's it's nothing too substantial there. So I would, I, I, and this is something the Jets, in my opinion, have, have done a pretty poor job of over the last, I guess, dozen years is, is weaponize their cap space, right? If you got, you've got yourself in a really advantageous situation, go out there. And and use that to your benefit, and I think that is the way to go about it. Or, or maybe it's moving a Logan Stanley, or I mean, who who knows who's out there, right? If it if it costs you maybe even a a Hainala or a Sandberg, if it's a really really high end piece that you could bring in, maybe right? Like I, I I don't know. Whoever it is though, whoever is coming off the blue line for the Jets, and whoever's coming in up front from a different team, that that to me makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, I, I do wonder about I guess you pull Yarvi and Edmonton for example. Um, I mean, Brendan Dillon would seem to make a good fit in Edmonton if you're looking to kind of keep it somewhat close salary-wise, or maybe it is a Logan Stanley that would go to the Oilers. But Paul Yarby is a relatively cheap addition who can play pretty much anywhere in your top nine, or, or at the very least, like a second or a third line guy. You know, that that's just a name that's been thrown about so much. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm still at the point right now that I'm kind of in shock that they're even somewhat contemplating going into this season with the exact same roster as last year. So like I'm, 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 I'm still of the belief that something has to be done or, or will be done. We'll see. But I agree with you where I would much rather use that as a trade piece, as opposed to let's bring in a couple guys for, you know, 2 million bucks each. And it might be a slight improvement over some of the younger in-house options that we have. Well, maybe we'll see if we've got a little bit more action in around the Jets next week. Uh, Matt, Vegas, they go from having the arguably, I mean, I've never been a, totally sold on Robin Laner, to be honest, and I know Fleury had his ups and downs, uh, but that tandem of Fleury and Laner was as good as it was in the National Hockey League for the most part about two goalies. And now Logan Thompson, LB, and Hutch are the three goalies under contract. I mean, it's crazy how quickly things can change. And um, this is a big situation for the Vegas Golden Knights now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I grew up in a in a house of goalies, unfortunately. But one thing they've always mentioned to me with with bigger attendees, and I, is Leonard like 230? or Like, he's a unit. But, you know, when you play the position and you're at that weight, even if you're in shape, it's so much stress on your hips and joy. Like it's just, it's goaltending is such a brutal position on, on certain areas of the body. And, and my, my younger brother always said, you know, guys like Leonard and even price to an extent price is a, a heavier goalie. <laughs> There's just not a lot of room for error. Once you get into your thirties and you always wondered, you know, if, 
those contracts handed to guys like Leonard and Price would be worth it in the end, or would they be even, even be able to play? And and that's kind of bearing out with both those guys right now. But <laughs> what does Vegas do right now? Like you literally have, I mean, you talk about the Jets having minimal options up front. It, it's kind of like Semyon Varlamov from, from Long Island, and that's about it. And if they don't get that deal done, they're pretty much stuck with what they got here. It's... I, and it's funny too because right now that opens up enough cap space. I think for like seven million on their roster, aka a single max patch already. You wonder if they regret that deal at all, even though he had the Achilles injury. But butterfly effect, maybe he doesn't have that if he stays with the Vegas Golden Knights. The West kind of stinks again this year, man. Like there's maybe well, let me ask you about the Pacific. The Pacific right now, because I think Vegas is obviously in a very difficult situation. And again, I know it's August. I mean, they're not giving out the cup right now, and it's still a ways away. The lock and the lock can happen. Um, but when you look at those top three teams, let's let's include the Kings. In fact, top four teams: Vegas, the Kings, and the two Alberta teams. Is there a clear cut number one? I mean, has Edmonton surpassed everybody? And yeah. the Flames? Like I thought, the Flames would take a huge step back. I'm not so sure now, at least in the short term, depending on what happens with Uyghur. Uh, but holy smokes, the fact that they just took the Johnny Gaudreau contract, scribbled out his name, put Huberto on it, handed it over and got him to sign it. They've actually salvaged something out of this offseason. Um, but still, the bar was set so high last year. going to be very tough to be where they were. Yeah, and, and they just threw in Mackenzie Uyghur too. No big deal, a top pair defenseman. Um, I, yeah, for me, Edmonton's number one. They've got the best forward group in the NHL. Um, they upgraded in goal. Their defense is meh, but I think meh might be good enough with, with yeah. David. And, like they, they, they don't need great. They need meh and they've got meh now. So I, for me, Edmonton's number one, I would probably lean Calgary number two still, but I, I wonder if the biggest winners in this aren't maybe the Vancouver Canucks. Like, would you, would you maybe take the Canucks roster over the golden Knights right now, considering Vegas's massive black hole in net there. I, I don't know. Like maybe this is an opportunity for a team like the Canucks and the Kings to to challenge for for either the third or the fourth spot in the Pacific Division. There, it's it, that that'll be an intriguing race. It's I don't know if it's going to be a particularly good one because yeah. I think they're they're a step below, especially when you look out east. Like the the eastern teams are, it's a it's a bit of a bloodbath out in the Eastern Conference, but. The other, the other kind of funny part of it is, you know, Buffalo, when they made the Jack Eichel trade at the time, was kind of looking like, oh, they just, you know, sold him for 30 cents on the dollar. Well, you know, they're kind of looking at this situation, right? And, and poor Jack Eichel's like, glad I got out of Buffalo so I can go play for a playoff team. And now that they're dropping left and right in Vegas before the season's even gotten underway, you wonder if Eichel's going to have to wait another year or, or find another destination before he makes the playoffs. Oh, I'd love a trade request. I want out right now. Yep. Full KD. You know, uh, something like that. Brandon Rewicki's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, just quickly, I did mention that Huberto. I mean, uh, you think, that was that something that they had to do in his organization if they had the opportunity to get a guy like that signed long-term, hold your nose, pay the money, do the eight-year deal um, because of, I mean, almost in some ways to sort of reverse a lot of the negativity, almost PR from a guy like Johnny that had been there the whole time and left 15 mil on the table to go to Columbus. No, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to. I, and in all honesty, I think I think a lot of mistakes happen when teams re-up with 
players they just acquired via trade. If if you look at the list of of guys that have signed right after being a, they have all the leverage, right? And that's a, a dangerous spot if you're a GM there. And and Huberto and his agents certainly took advantage of that. I like I I wonder if I might have slow played that a little bit. Like go into the season, see how things are after thirty or forty games. And if you have to flip them at the deadline, you get a ton of picks, right? Like, I, I I don't know if I necessarily would have jumped all in right off the bat there, but I don't necessarily think it's a it's a poor move either. You know, I think he's still, I mean, Huberto is going to be, what, like a 90 to 100 point guy for, for a few years at least. And with that back end, they've gotten Calgary, which is, it, it might be the best. You can make an argument for it being the best in the league. And then you've got Markstrom as a, a, a for sure top 10 goalie. They, they just need a little bit of firepower up front, and they're going to be a tough out for, for a lot of teams this year. So uh, I'll be intrigued to see how it plays out. And I, I do wonder ultimately what happens with Uyghur here because I'm, I'm still a little bit at a loss for words that he's the the throw-in in all of this when he's really right, yeah. right up there in terms of impact with, with a guy like Jonathan Huberto. But again, I, I, after being in such a tight spot with Kachuk and with Gaudreau, that is about as good of a GME job as you could do. It's not it's not like a, a total grand slam, but it's the solid two-run shot if you're Brad Treliving to, to be able to pick up those pieces. Hey, before we go, fill people in on uh, what's cooking at Skates and Plates in the middle of August. Yeah, so next week we're going to kick off our, I guess you would call it positional rankings. So we'll do we'll see where the Jets rank in terms of forward groups across the NHL. Defense groups, goaltending, coaching, all that. So that kind of kicks off our uh, early look into preseason and the upcoming year. So we'll take a look at the forward group. And like I said, I I wonder, like I haven't sat down and went team by team where the Jets might rank. But, you know, in years past, it was kind of, are they going to crack the top 10 this year? It's, are they going to be in the teens? Are they going to be in the 20s? Like, I, I wonder... I really wonder after I look at it just how how far they're going to drop this this upcoming year. But that'll be coming out next week. Looking forward to it, dude. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch up next week on WST. Sounds good. Have a good one, man. Follow on Twitter at Brandon Rewicki and uh, check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcast like Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Hacksaw coming up, then Marbles, and the video of my reaction when the wave broke out with 11 or 10 minutes left in a one-score game last night, uh, many of you will enjoy that. Uh, I do want to thank our friends at Breezy Bend. Great support of ours. And, of course, FedEx Playoffs is going on right now. I'm keeping one eye on the leaderboard. And, oh, hey, Lowry's right hand. There's our guy, Tony Finau. He's two under through five. Two off the lead. Sepp Straka, 10 under. Denny McCarthy and Brian Harmon. Or Denny McCarthy's in at nine under. Brian Harmon's in at eight under. And Tony Finau and JJ Spawn, both eight under right now, uh, still on the front nine. First round of the FedEx Cup playoffs this week in Memphis. Then they continue on to the Northern Trust next week for round two of the FedEx playoffs. If you're thinking about a great long term home and one of Winnipeg's top private clubs for you and your family on the golf course, Check out Breezy Ben. Talk to our friend Corey Johnson of getting on the waiting list or check out everything Breezy has to offer online at breezybend.ca. Hey, another great game tonight in the doubleheader tomorrow in the Canadian Football League. Pop by your local Boston Pizza if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game. 
and check out their awesome new summer menu with the carnitas pizzas and tacos pizza flights are back great summer drink menu and hey if you are staying at home check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com and hey don't forget assiniboia downs is back with live racing on monday night monday tuesday and wednesday we'll get back to our picks on monday's show for the live racing on monday night but if you do want to uh, make an arrangements in advance get a reservation in the dining room for that amazing prime rib buffet call them up at 885-3330 and make reservations and uh, tell them your boys at winnipeg sports talk sent you all right before hacksaw gets uh, in with us for a little nfl notebook before marbles let's take a quick rip out to the ballpark Andrew, call your Gold Eyes GM waiting for us to set up a huge weekend with some great fan promos at Shaw Park for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Cash, what's going on? Great to have you on the program. Uh, fellas on a bit of a run right now. Yeah, they're playing well. They're uh, swinging the bat really well, and the pitchers are, are doing their job. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Here at home lately, we've uh, we've rattled off some wins. No doubt, uh, Sioux City, uh, as we mentioned, uh, in now. I mean, I, I was at a couple of the games earlier this week. Uh, the Milwaukee Milkmen dressing exactly like the umpires is something I was not ready to go. I, I, I said I have a picture of it. All you needed to stick was a white number on the back of the umpire, and they would be indistinguishable, other than maybe carrying a few extra pounds. That being said. Uh, let's talk about the schedule this weekend because very, very fun night tomorrow. But before we even get to tomorrow night, tonight, Manitoba Social, Golden Boy, Bobblehead, Fireworks. Seems like it's going to be an amazing kickoff to the weekend. Yeah, I think we're over 5,000 tickets sold right now and, and climbing by the hour. Yeah, the Golden Boy, Golden Boy, Bobblehead right there. It's awesome. We've actually had these since 2020 and just been waiting to be able to give them away so yeah manitoba social night who doesn't love a social so we're gonna have everything we're gonna have the social music uh we're gonna have uh snack packs with the the kubasaw cube cheese pickles uh i can't confirm whether or not there will be a, a salami shoulder or two during the game I was about to put a bounty on your head and say anyone, if anyone can salami shoulder the GM of the Gold Eyes tonight and tweet a picture at me, um, I'll have I'll have a reward. There's a bounty on not your head, your shoulder for tonight's event. Wow, I'm gonna have to have my head on a swivel tonight, <laughs> making sure. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have great uh, silent auction prizes, just like at at a social. Um, a $1,500 gift card on Calm Air is one of the prizes. We've got a Jets prize pack, uh, ABC Fire and Safety. ABC Fire and Safety is the sponsor tonight. Yeah, fireworks after the game. It's going to be awesome. I know, and I've been mentioning this all week, but our friends at Wallace and Wallace very excited to sponsor tomorrow's game, and that is the Bark in the Park. I mean, uh, this is such a cool event. It really is. We... I think this will be the fourth time we've done this and we've had upwards of 800 dogs here and it's just, uh, it's a scene. There's uh, all, all kinds of dogs and, and you know what? Kudos to the owners because knock on wood up until now, the dogs have been very well behaved. They, uh, they, uh, yeah, haven't caused any trouble or the owners haven't caused any trouble yet. So it's, uh, it's always a fun game. So the bark of the park is uh, tomorrow night. And then, um, Sunday, uh, finishing it off, matinee game to finish off the uh, series and hopefully another successful one and uh, another great giveaway there uh, heading up north. 
Yeah, great partners this year. Calm Air is giving away uh, to one lucky fan a trip for two on Calm Air up to Churchill, do a uh, polar bear tour, a uh, couple nights stay, some dinners. Yeah, it's it's a great trip. I I wish. I think I might take the day off and buy a ticket just so I have a chance of winning that trip. I'd love to do that. Well, I'm uh, quite thankful that uh, our shows will be complete for the week after this and uh, can spend quite a bit of time at the ballpark. And, of course, our friends at Little Brown Jug pouring the uh, Hefeweizen and the Black Lager as well over at Craft Beer Corner right now. You might know where to find me if you come to the game tonight. And uh, uh, it always gets going tonight. If someone wants one of those Golden Boy bobbleheads, I would suggest they get there early. I would suggest, yeah they're they're gonna go quick it's it's a very unique unique item and uh yeah we're looking forward to giving away like i said they've been in storage for two years so we finally get to uh unleash the golden boy all right goldeyes.com folks for tickets and as i say every time i go to the game there's a ton of people lining up for seats it'll take a little while get them online beforehand save the wait and uh, get in there uh to get things going cash Great to see the sweep. Uh, let's see if we can bring the brooms out again for another successful weekend and uh, keep the uh, fish charging to the top of the division right now. Thanks for doing this, and have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you at the ballpark. Yeah, let me know how many you need me to set aside for you for each game. <laughs> all right, great stuff from Andrew Collier. Yeah, going to be an awesome night. I mean, tomorrow, the bark at the park, always so cool with all the dogs at the game. Uh, and I'm looking forward to tonight's game. Little fireworks action afterwards should be a great way to get the uh, get the weekend going. Uh, and again, if you are planning on going to the game, as I mentioned, uh, get your tickets in advance, get them digitally on your phone, and uh, avoid the massive line that seemingly is there every night for people walking up to uh, to the ballpark. Um, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton is coming up right away. And then we'll have marbles and uh, a great way to finish off the week. Oh, and the video from the wave last night as well. That's all coming up. Cool bet lines uh, in addition. But right now, let's uh, welcome him back to the program. The star of the new Lee Hacksaw Hamilton YouTube channel. And, of course, <laughs> LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Uh, Lee, have you gotten into the world of uh, Instagram? Are you doing TikToks and telling people to swipe up and whatnot? Uh, how's it all going? <laughs> You're asking that type of question to somebody that still has a Royal Manual typewriter in his garage. <laughs> uh, I dove in. I dove into the 21st century by getting involved in podcasting two weeks ago. It's nonstop. It's a lot of work. I'm doing it. That plus my website, plus my TV work, plus freelance writing, plus all the stuff I'm doing for the TSN station. So, yeah, I have a lot of time to go TikToking with somebody else. But now it's it's been fun. It's been different. It's technology. But like I said. I do still have a manual Royal typewriter in my garage. I love it. It sounds like you're busier now than maybe you've ever been before. And that's uh, it's a very good thing. Oh, it's busy in the NFL. We've got full slate of uh, preseason games this weekend. And um, shockingly to many, sounds like Deshaun Watson is going to be QB1 for the Cleveland Browns this week. Um, Lee, maybe fill our folks in on where things are at with his six-game suspension and appeal from the National Football League and uh, essentially what is going forward for Deshaun Watson on and off the field as well as his Cleveland Browns. Hustler, uh, the, the special master arbitrator that is hearing the appeal that the NFL filed in the Deshaun Watson case is also in the middle of negotiations. We're led to believe 
that the Cleveland Browns quarterback and his lawyers have presented maybe last night or maybe it was early hours this morning, have presented an alternative set of discipline for the Browns quarterback on the sexual misconduct case. The National Football League, of course, has appealed the first judge, the discipline hearing officer, who ruled six-game suspension without pay, that's all. NFL uh, filed all this documentation that this was egregious, that he was a predator, uh, that, that he showed no remorse, and that he has problems, and they want him sent to counseling as part of an expanded suspension. Now, the NFL went to this special arbitrator who's hearing the final appeal, and they asked for 12 games and an $8 million fine. Deshaun Watson's lawyers, agents, attorneys, last night or early hours this morning came back with eight games, $5 million. Now they're arguing about some of the other conditions the NFL, Andrew, wants to install. One has to do with he has to undergo immediate evaluation, counseling for sexual addiction. Also, there's a clause in the NFL proposal that would indicate he has to apply for face-to-face -face reinstatement with Roger Goodell. So they're still really separated as to how they're going to get to a solution. NFL, I was told, does not want him in uniform tonight in that Cleveland-Jacksonville NFL does not want him as part of the training camp going forward uh, while this appeal is going on. And why Peter Harvey, who is the special master arbitrator, has not rendered a decision yet is a little bit surprising. But maybe it's because he's trying to mediate an increased discipline measure without giving the NFL what they want, but with, at the same time letting Deshaun Watson go scot-free. Uh, a little piece of history here. The NFL, Sue Robinson, the judge who initiated the six-game suspension, she based her suspension on what the NFL had done in the past in the history of guys involved with domestic abuse. The greatest suspension ever handed down for an NFL player was only six games. You know, that's the Kareem Hunt. That's the Ray Rice situation. Well, the NFL has said this was much more egregious. This guy is a predator. You, the judge, wrote about all of his shortcomings. We don't think a baseline six-game suspension is what he deserves. We think he deserves a lot more. That's why this thing has been held up to the point it is. And as it relates to Cleveland, hmm. you know, Cleveland has really been stead steadfast silent during this whole process. But it begs the question, somebody in the media, national media, Cleveland media, needs to ask the question, what do the Browns stand for if you're letting this guy represent you when everybody knows what he did? And for Deshaun Watson, Andrew, you know, he has said, I did nothing wrong, showed no remorse, but he's willing to accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine, even though he did nothing wrong. What does this stay about, say about him? And this stuff, this is going to be stapled to his resume the rest of his life. Now, he may be a great player, but he's obviously not a great person. And everybody that I know is of the opinion this guy should get nailed just because of the multiples of women. You know, they said 24. He settled 23 of the 24 cases out of court. There's one unsettled. But this being reported, there's many as 66 women that he made contact with in a 17-month span. So it's, it's really an ugly story. I think we're close to the finish line. And if he goes out the door for eight games or if it winds up being a 12-game suspension, what does Cleveland do? I'm led to believe Cleveland's going to approach San Francisco about a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo because they got Joby, uh, Jacoby Brissett, the journeyman from Indianapolis and Miami, and that's the only quarterback of, of note 
they got on the roster. Garoppolo was healthy. Garoppolo was throwing on the side, coming off shoulder surgery, not practicing with the 49ers. And San Francisco, Andrew's got its own set of circumstances. They have to get him off the roster by August 30th, or else he counts $25 million against the salary cap. They're trying to get a draft pick from somebody, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, while you were on holiday, by the way, how dare you take a vacation? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, San Francisco gave his agent permission, Andrew, to talk to other teams. And they talked to Seattle and they talked to Houston. I was told the Seahawks and the Texans both came back and told Garoppolo's agent, if you want your client placed here, we'd be willing to talk to the Niners about some form of late draft pick compensation. But you got to restructure down the contract. We're not paying you $25 million coming in the front door. Though those talks have stalled. Whether Cleveland would inherit a $25 million quarterback or they'd make the same stance on Garoppolo's arrival in Cleveland remains to be seen. But as soon as the Deshaun Watson domino falls, Andrew, I believe then something's going to happen with Garoppolo. But San Francisco's got to come off the roster by August 30th because of the guarantees in the contract. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Cleveland. It does make sense, but so much of it has to do with Deshaun Watson because of the uh, outlay and the investment in him and obviously the cap. If it's not Cleveland, are there some other landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo that sort of makes sense to you, Hacksaw? Well, if if he's released, he doesn't get any guaranteed money from San Francisco. The unique part of this, the final year of his contract is non-guaranteed. But if he's there August 31st, he counts against their cap because then it does become a guaranteed contract. If he's released out in the street and get nothing for him, his price tag comes down appreciably. Seattle's not going to pay him $25 million or $20 million or maybe $15 million. Houston surely is not, although they've, they've got a quarterback, and, and Seattle's got Geno Smith and the ex-Bronco Drew Locke. So we'll just have to wait and see. And, of course, a team could lose a quarterback in any of the next three preseason games, and it changes the whole equation. Garoppolo is not a bad quarterback, you know, Andrew. He's 31 and 14 as a starter. Now, he's had a lot of significant injuries. That's the issue is he takes a lot of punishment. And he has he's had three major injuries in the course of his career in New England and in San Francisco. But if you're going to get him to play your season, I think you want him in camp sooner than later to crash course him with the playbook. So, you know, we got a lot of storylines in the NFL. We, got, we have potential of nine different starting quarterbacks this year by the time we get to Labor Day weekend. And those those are the storylines are probably the two most significant names out there right now, Watson and, and Garoppolo. Hey, uh, what's going on with the champs? Uh, sounds like there's some uh, you know, significant injury concerns already with the Rams. And I mean, it almost comes with the territory when you have such a veteran laden roster that the uh, that L.A. does. Well, they should be concerned. They're not not uttering a lot of public concern about the situation in L.A. with quarterback Matthew Stafford. But, you know, he played with an injured elbow all last year, and he kind of grinded and gritted his way through it. But right after the Super Bowl, they fast-forward aggressive treatment. He had a plasma platelet injection into the elbow, and that normally means a shutdown for six weeks. Well, they held him out of all, all the off-season throwing workouts. He took part in all the, all the meetings and all. And they held him out of a bunch of the OTA throwing sessions. And he's thrown intermittently, the Rams practices since these camps opened, but they shut him down again. And the, the biggest concern I have, and I think he's a great player and a great leader, and he has been the difference maker in what Rams football has, has become since he arrived from the Detroit Lions. But Andrew, you know, you go out to Winnipeg Blue Bomber practices, you full well know that that quarterback has to practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and has to make a lot of throws to get his rhythm and get his timing with whatever the, the game plan package is. 
if he can't, Stafford can't throw much Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, does that really impact the timing of your offense? And does it, does it change a lot of things? So that's, that's one big issue there. They got a, a running back depth issue. There is no Robert Woods at wide receiver. He was traded. They have not re-signed Odell Beckham Jr. He has not recovered from the surgery to that knee right after the Super Bowl. So they're a little bit down on the pass reception game-breaking department, too, uh, although they did pick up a, a Bears wide receiver uh, to obviously you know, counter what Cooper Cup does on the other side. But I, I'd really be concerned if I'm the Rams, and I think they're concerned, and they're not being honest with anybody that about how much he can practice, he being Stafford. And what it, they're calling it, the insiders are calling it acute tendonitis. And when you got to make 30 to 50 throws every day in practice and you got acute tendonitis, what does that do to you come game day on Sunday? So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be concerned about the champions right now. Hey, one other a quarterback story. Uh, it sounds like Kirk Cousins, who, of course, was in the midst of a whole bunch of COVID controversies last year, uh, has COVID and won't play this week. Certainly probably better to get it now in week one of the preseason than uh, during the regular season. Um, just thoughts on the Vikings, though, going into this season. There's some pretty significant changes in the front office, coaching, and uh, but a lot of talent on that team, Lee. There is, and it underachieved last year, and I put that at the front door of the fired head coach, Mike Zimmer, who I think really became a bear to deal with. Uh, if, if you read between the lines what Vikings players say, a lot of critical comments about Mike Zimmer and his relationships with players and how he treated players, et cetera, et cetera. So he's gone. I'm friends with the new coach, Kevin O'Connell. He's a real bright light guy. like him a great deal, has learned under some really good people as a quarterback coach and then an offensive coordinator. But her cousins is is the, the trigger man on what's a really, really good offense. And if Kirk Cousins can't play for a chunk of time because of this COVID situation, that really hurts that team. Now, you know, they've indicated through the, all the OTAs, the players have indicated they are not going to be a run-first team, despite the brilliance of Dalvin Cook, uh, the, the running back, that they're going to be a throw-first team. But now maybe they have to rethink this. You know, in the COVID cases for everybody, they're different in everybody's body. Some guys get it. I thought I had it. I got, I had a terrible hole in the spring. I lost my sense of taste and smell for three weeks. And I went and got tested twice. I didn't have it. Go figure that out. Um, some guys have minor symptoms and they're right back. The league says you have to sit five days in isolation and you're t you get a test clean twice. So if it's a mild case, he's probably back in camp next week and he practices and he's got two preseason games to get this thing up and ready. However, if it's more significant and everybody reacts differently, maybe it turns out to be more extended. And to complicate the whole thing, Andrew, is the reality that he is unvaccinated. That's a big issue. It was an issue last year on a falling out between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins that he refused to get vaccinated. There's probably players on each team, but this is a significant guy making $43 million a year who's the leader of your franchise, and he just refused to get vaccinated. Now, now he's got COVID. So I guess we can hope it's only five days isolation and this thing goes away. But, you know, in other cases, it doesn't turn out to be five days it turns out to be a heck of a lot longer. Lee, cannot wait to uh, get closer to the regular season and keep up these chats. But just before we go, I do want to mention 
Lee's podcast is live. The YouTube channel is on. Shout out to Schickster. I see Schickster just put in, I'm the latest subscriber to Lee's channel. Uh, Remo will put that in, but uh, just give quick, quickly uh, people a bit of a plug on uh, what you've got going on the audio and video part of it, which is now on the YouTube channel. Well, I've had historically for a decade my, my website, which is all written. I write on it every day of the year, uh, leehacksawhamilton.com and best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, one man's opinion column, and all these Hacksaw mini polls that I do. And I ventured into the podcast and I didn't sink. I didn't go under. Uh, I've done three of them so far. I'm getting a lot of a lot of unique response, but it's on YouTube and it's on Facebook and it's it's on Twitter and it's on the audio channels too. And again, some of this is Chinese to me. I don't know very much about this, but it's just Lee Hacksaw Hamilton podcast. You should be able to find it. Hey, subscribe to it and subscribe to the alerts on my website. Every time I write something, it shows up on on your cell phone. Hacksaw, have a great weekend. Uh, looking forward to uh, chatting with you next week and to keep up the great work on uh, online now as well. I'm really enjoying it so far. Always enjoy being with you on Beer Friday. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Crack one for us, Lee. There it is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us. Of course, the website, leehacksawhamilton.com. But make sure you check out what Saw's got going on over on the YouTube channel and on the podcast as well. All right, Friday afternoon. You know what that means, folks. We're going to be uh, getting to some marbles coming up for a minute. Uh, but let's get Remus back in here. Man, this has been an awesome show, just a complete whirlwind. Uh, great to get Collier and Westy in. Of course, Dustin Nielsen and the Hacksaw and Rewiki. Uh, I can't remember the last time we cranked five people into a show, but I figured this would be a great way to get into the weekend. A lot of, you know, bombers lost us. Sky's falling, right? No, they're still... <laughs> Still nine and one, but gives us something, uh, something to talk about. And yeah, get, good to get that NFL chatter in uh, with Hacksaw. Always, it is uh, preseason. You know, fantasy football drafts around oh. the corner. Um, great time of year for sure. Summer is sadly kind of winding down. We're at August twelfth. As much as I feels terrible saying that, but we're just a little over a month away. Has until the Young Stars tournament, which I've mentioned all week. The Young Stars Tournament. Well, um, we, 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 maybe we'll talk about the Young Stars Tournament whenever it happens. Uh, the one thing I can say in the aftermath of last night's game, the Riders and the Bombers are sniping at each other on Twitter right now. And the, the, the Riders are trying to be cheeky, and the Bombers are having none of it. Somebody in chat just suggested that Mike O'Shea may possibly be writing the Bombers' tweets today. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, I enjoy the sniping back and forth, but it seems like the Rough Riders are kind of butting into a, a place where it's none of their business. Like, Rough Riders, you got a game coming up this nest. weekend. Mind your own ball. And so <clears throat> this is what the Rough Riders, just out of nowhere, 1241 today, tweeting, Hey, Bombers, if you need to vent about hitting goalposts, we're here for you. Like, what are you doing, Riders? You got a game. Like, shouldn't you be tweeting out the depth chart or something? <laughs> like, and then here come the bombers. Just worry <clears throat> about your 500 record. Yeah, play your own ball. Like, if the answer is, hey, look at the scoreboard, look at the standings. Like, shut up, riders. <laughs> like, this isn't your this isn't your business. Oh, I love this. Who's I love doing the that? The clap back from who the thought, bombers. Who thought that was a good idea that they weren't going to get dumped on right away? And here come the replies. Oh, there's BA split first reply. And everyone's like 13 B. A., man. BA, you are BA, you are the most prolific reply guy on Twitter. Yeah. I have to say. 
uh, he's always, always coming are, back. Sometimes some of the things that you reply to, because it'll come up on my feed as well, completely amaze me. What are, I love the fact that you're always willing to engage and dive in. What are the riders doing here? Just like in starting this, isn't their fight? Like save it for uh, Labor Day. <laughs> like what the hell? Uh, that being said, uh, they've got a long ways to go to be uh, comparing like, themselves to the Bombers in any, in any category right now so far this season. Okay, let me just look at the CFL standings for a sec. Yeah, just, bring those up as well. Just, you know, let's perfect. pull that up. Let's pull that up. Oh, look, the Riders, four and four. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to get it Losers of three in a row, back-to-back -back losses against the Argos. And uh, they are five-point favorites in Edmonton this weekend. I still sort of think they'll I'm, win, but I'd love to be wrong. I'm here for trash talk, but like, this isn't this isn't their place. The Riders, what are they doing? <laughs> Look, um, they got us talking about it. Well, listen, it was fun because the Bombers, even after the L yesterday, um, decided that they'd hand out an L to the Riders before they've even played a game so far this week. So yeah, they play Anyways. Sunday. Oh no, tomorrow, tomorrow night. That'll be a a great one. Yeah, it's no doubt. Saskatchewan <laughs> in Edmonton. 9 All right. p.m. Let's get to the cool bet line. Speaking of the Riders and the rest of the Canadian Football League, and then it's time to it's time to get down with a uh, with some marbles. And uh, and we will also be playing my video from the game last night. Uh, we talked a little bit about the wave at the beginning of the, the game or at the beginning of the show, uh, but we do have a little bit more to say on the wave. If you missed that, that's coming up. All right. Cool bet lines for today. Three games still remaining in the Canadian Football League. Argos, one-point favorites on the road against the Ticats, coming off their 14-point win last week at home against the Tabbies. Wow. I was some surprised that this number has gotten to three. Uh, BC opened as half-point favorites over Calgary, uh, but the Nathan Rourke mania is real. Uh, and this number has been climbing throughout the week, and the Lions now three-point road favorites against the Calgary Stampeders. Can't wait for this one. It'll be very interesting to see how Bo Levi handles things and uh, whether he has a big FU game for everyone that's written him off and has anointed Nate Rourke, the next great one in the Canadian Football League. And yes, the Riders trying to break their losing streak, six-point favorites, Saturday night in the late one against the Edmonton Elks, uh, the Blue Jays back in action tonight against the Cleveland Guardians. Jays minus 152 favorites. Cleveland plus 134 on the road. And a good old Yankees-Red Sox matchup tonight as well. Minus 114 for the Yankees. Boston, even money or plus 101. I'm just looking at the odds for the National Bank Open Couple games today: Tommy Paul, D. Evans, Carino uh, Busta, and Jay Draper. Ooh, big upset for Draper. Uh, and Nick Kyrgios is out as well after his uh, shocking upset of uh, number one, <clears throat> Daniil Medvedev, earlier in the uh, tournament. Of course, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST when you make your first deposit. We'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit with the promo code WST over with our friends at coolbet.com. All right, Reem, uh, we uh, obviously have the marble race coming up. See a few people that maybe missed it earlier. Uh, are we open yet with marbles? No. 
You never oh, okay. told me to open it. So okay, I, don't no, I just thought you might have just because I no, saw a people, whole bunch of people putting people marbles in. People are just in. getting excited. Huh? They're, they're, antsy. they're They're antsy for it. And you already typed in, like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to be in. So you have to wait. That being said, why don't we do that right now? And then we can play the video. And then we can get ready for yeah, uh, well, for it. We, we got to show um, today's big hockey news, too. Like, the biggest hockey story out there for summer. Exactly. We will get to that, but let's, uh, let's open things up uh, and we'll let you know when that is. Take a look in the chat and you will see the Streamlabs bot, not Loveface, our bot that, um, <laughs> that, will, <laughs> that will be telling you that it is open. Uh, we just had the raffle being canceled. It's not open yet. So Jeff Johnson, XX Rev, Eugene, you're a little bit too early. Okay, now it's open. So the Stiggy, you're going to have to do it again. But Eugene, Colorado Lowe's, you guys are all in. You know what to do. Exclamation mark. Marbles right now. And uh, you'll be in for it. And we'll do that in just a couple minutes. Um, all right. First off, let's do, the, let's do the big hockey story of the day. We're always here for new looks, new lids, hockey hair, or lack thereof. And Patrick Laine has made a uh, a big, big change to his look coming into his new four-year deal with the Blue Jackets, Reem. Here it is. Patrick Laine shaved it all off. He's going bald. Bald is beautiful. We know that. He was rocking the, um, the Hulk Hogan look before. <laughs> and... I think it was Such the Hulkster. We'll pull the up, best analogy. We'll pull up his um his headshots from the last couple of years. But uh, yeah, it was getting kind of Hogan. It was time. Full credit to to Line a for embracing it. He's not trying to hide anything. And this is the new Patrick Line. I wonder if he's gonna have like hats or or what. But he's yes, Brian Bravo. Brian says he's gonna be way faster this year. I agree. Aerodynamic. He's going to have a monster season, I think. Uh, four years, 8.7 a season. Johnny Gaudreau there to set him up. Uh, I know many of you Line A fans, like myself, are going to be on some overs on some props for the upcoming season for the Finnish Flash. All right, exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you another Wait, second. You just called so Line in. A the Finnish Flash? I guess I did. You can't do that. There's only one. Yeah, that was... That was uh, I mean, he's pretty good at line A. He's a really good goal scorer, but... Yeah, we can't give him Solani's nickname. No, that is uh, that is appropriate. The finisher hey. is uh, the name. I don't hey. know how I screwed that up. I guess Solani's sort of been out of sight, out of mind. Line Dude. A is thought of in Solani-type reverence here in the city, at least by yours truly, but uh, he's still in, and that is not the case. We do enjoy this game. <laughs> Kick uh, hustler. Here. <laughs> Us. Listen, I take the L on that. Okay. We okay. Doing... Oh, yes. Our favorite game, the Hockey DV headshot run. Okay, here we go. This, this is, I don't know what year this was, but like you got, remember when he had that beard too? Yeah, that was the start of the beard year. Yeah. And I don't know if this was a fresh year. face, young Patrick. And this was last year. Still had a, still had a lot of hair last year. Yeah. This was, this was the Hogan. Yeah, that, that, all you needed is a red and yellow Hulkamania shirt, and you'd be set. And there you go. And here we are now with Line going full ball. So I like it. Well, nice, uh, nice new look for Patrick Line. All right. Um, just finishing up. Last call for marbles! Exclamation mark marbles! If you want to get in. 
All right, Remo, I promised this earlier. I've not, we're debuting this. We'll probably hit social media afterwards, but I wanted to save it for everybody on the show. Uh, we talked earlier on the curse that the wave often brings if it is done at an inappropriate time. How many times have we talked about it in relation to hockey? Um, the Jets were the beneficiaries of some early waves last year in both Nashville and Calgary and ended up winning those games. And I don't want to say the wave curse is undefeated, but it's got a pretty damn good winning percentage, and it struck again last night. A wild crowd, an incredible atmosphere. People got a little carried away, maybe a little overconfident after that 100-yard drive for the Blue Bombers. But there it was with the one-score game with tons of time in the fourth quarter, 10 or 11 minutes. Uh, the wave went around, and as Dustin Nielsen mentioned, it was a full wave. I mean, there was heavy participation through the building, and it kept going and going and going. And to nobody's surprise, I was freaked out. I knew that this was a bad sign, and I can't say I'm surprised that it ended up helping curse the Bombers and kicker Mark Leggio. But I did make a point of pulling my phone out. This is actual reaction live in the building. As many people around yelled at me going, Hustler, what's going on? I pulled out the phone to, um, to record it for historical purposes as a lesson to wait until the game is in the books to do the wave. This is from last night. So there you have it. And I stand by all of that. What are we doing too early? And yes, to the point, had not even covered the spread yet, and we all know where it went. So let this be a lesson. Much better to lose a lesson when you're 9-0 and than maybe it's a game to get in the playoffs or not. Um, that being said, I think a big part of it was just how damn fun it was at the game last night and uh, still sort of laughing that uh, still sort of laughing about the way the game went, but it's easier to laugh when you have a team as good as we do Remo and a start that they had with a perfect first nine games. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, we could say all this stuff about last game, <laughs> but they're nine and one. They're in a really good spot here and they are great cup favorites. So uh, disapp again, dis very disappointing finish. You don't want to see that, but they're still in they're still a top team in the league. Oh, I see some people enjoying the enjoying that in the in the cat in the uh, in the chat. I mean, uh, <laughs> anyways, we'll probably throw it. That was the debut of it. We wanted to save it for the OGs, the hardcores that are with us every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But I have a feeling we'll feel free when we put it out to go with, go with your comments as to whether you agree that there's a time and a place for the wave and a one-score game with tons of time left in the fourth quarter, even when you're 9-0 over one two back-to-back -back championships, is not it. All right, all jokes aside, let's get to it, Remo. We've got a marble race to kick us off into the weekend. Of course, you know it well. Here it is. the uh, Our version of the Masters Green Jacket, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club, official sponsor of the Bombers. You can see that right there. Um... We have all sizes. We are going to be getting more. We don't have double XLs right now. Any other size we have in. If our winner is a double XL, we can either get an IOU and wait till new stuff goes in. I do have a couple other 
things in the tickle trunk that we might use, but worry about that once you win first. Um, we've got everyone in. Now, Remo, we definitely need to put uh, to add hot Linda into uh, the chat. Oh, that's the horse. Hot, yeah, hot Linda is the people, horse. People may not remember uh, our <laughs> horse Wednesday picks show. from earlier. Yeah, from Wednesday. <laughs> it's going to be coming out on a TikTok, so uh, watch out. It'll be good. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so, yeah, hot Linda's in. Mason Appleton definitely mm -hmm. is in. Um, I think we maybe should put the Gus bus in. Okay. Um, you know, and hopefully we can get the Gus bus on potentially next week on the program. And then let's throw the guests in today. We've got Dusty. We have Westy. We've got Andrew Collier. Yep. Rowicki. Yep. And Hacksaw. Yeah, they're all in. Perfect. All right. Uh, where are we going to go today? I know we did uh, that one we've done the last few times. Let's change it up. Uh, I know you mentioned potentially the dojo or another one. I read. <laughs> she wants to put girls in honor of the yeah. chat. Of the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I didn't see why. XYZ but... nudes in the chat. Well, I was going to say, I didn't see why, but I know Tommy Lee uh, was trending yesterday. Maybe he wants to go in. No. <laughs> Sorry, we had to bring it up. They are on tour, Molly Crew. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not touching that one. I'm not touching that one. I've had a few close calls with comments this week. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to bite. I'm uh, actually. On I that gotta, lure. I, I got to say, I was keeping an eye out on the stadium tour um, with Molly Crew, Def Leppard, and Poison. I think it's Joan Jett's in it too. I feel like that's a concert that would sell out IG Field like instantly, and it's going to Edmonton, and not here. I feel like that's a, would be Abbott the was market. there. Abbott was there this week. I saw a whole yeah. bunch of videos from him. I'll be honest; I didn't really even know that that was taking place. It was postponed for like two two years. Is is that like music's version of golf's Champions Tour? Well, Molly Cruz signed a cessation of touring document like in like 2014 and like they were done and then then they ripped that up and now they're back. Um, so I Molly Cruz unretired more than Brett Favre. I they're, mean, come on. they're going up there. I remember coming back, going to them in like 2004 when it was a big deal when they reunited and like, oh, we're never going to see them again. And they came back like three more times the next five years. Mike but, uh, Wynn. Yeah. yeah. Listen, that's why. <laughs> okay. I am not touching this at all. Let's move on to the marbles and not for why Tommy Lee was trending yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Um, so where are we going to go? Well, I just going to do the theme song first. Don't can't yeah, forget. Absolutely. The so don't Tristan worry. Rivers extended version today. Oh yeah. We'll do the, I was promising the extended version. We've never done we it. We have an extended version and I hadn't even heard it till yesterday and we were going to do it. By the way, thanks again to 8K subs. If you missed yesterday, we did an impromptu marble race because we got to 8K. Appreciate all of you. Uh, but if you haven't already subscribed, it's free. It's simple. Just hit that red button on your YouTube channel because you do have to be subscribed to the channel to be a winner in the WST marble race. It is literally the least you can do. Thanks again to everyone subscribing on the podcast. You know where to get there. Just pop in Winnipeg Sports Talk and tell a friend if you uh, if you can. All right, Tristan Rivers music, our guy, the uh, the muse of the Winnipeg digital sports community with the extended version of the Friday Marbles intro on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
That was amazing. I, I I don't know how we we need to have that the extended version every Friday now. I thought it was too long, but that was pretty awesome. I was that was, I was a digging it. Terrible executive decision that you made on that. Definitely not too long. And with the video, I mean, once again, Tristan, Candace, you guys are the best. That is uh, certainly made our day. All right, the gang's all here. The weekend is here, but not until we drop the marbles. Uh, how many people are in today, Reem, and where are we going? Okay, we have, I think, 100. With all of our bonus marbles, there's 166. I think it was 158. Other one. Beautiful. Exa Justin, I'm with you. Why have we never heard this before? <laughs> T-Will, singing this song in my head all weekend. This is unbelievable. Did Hacksaw's Barber get a marble? I don't believe so. I don't believe That would be an awesome... Uh, uh, that'd be an awesome YouTube uh, YouTube name for somebody if you want to change it up. This is gold. Well, Tristan, definitely the MVP of uh, of this. Uh, all right, so we're pushing 170 marbles in here. Big weekend coming up. I am looking forward to the ball game tonight, but most of all, I'm looking forward to seeing who wins today. The prestigious blue hoodie, WST's version of our Masters green jacket. Uh, remote, fill I us in. I was going to do the Delta. What do you think about the the Delta? Sure. The Delta 9? It's perfect uh, for the weekend. I was, that's what I was thinking. So <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't remember the Delta. Wait, ever. what Ooh. the hell is this? No, no, this one's stuck. This one's is this stuck. just the... Just the track. Is, what the hell oh, is this? it's just the uh, the around. Get, get rid of it. Get yeah, it. that was like the Indy 500. I'll get a new Sorry about that. Perfect. No, that's okay. Better, better to better to do it and get the right. You want the, the right dojo? One. Well, the dojo we've done before. Is there any other one that uh, kind of? There's only like 50, 50 of them here. There's sixty-one. I mean, I don't know. What about something like? Uh, is love in love is in the air? We've done off haunted hills. We've done love is in the air. We've definitely done. We've, I think we've done a lot of these. What's what's bongo boogie? That's like a short one. That's pretty short. Marble Mill? Have you done Marble Mill? I don't think so. That one sounds good. Okay. We'll do Marble Mill. Marble Mill. I think this is a new track, everybody. Um, you all know how this works. First place the uh, is the champion for the week. Congratulations to everyone, all of our recent winners. Thanks again to uh, Canadian Club. The Marble Mill is about to go down. Good luck to everyone. Thanks again. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Get him to subscribe on YouTube and podcast. 
and join us daily live at 1 p.m. on YouTube and afterwards in your podcast feed just after 3 p.m. All right, Remus, I think it's time. The weekend's here. Let's drop the marbles on WST. This one starts out kind of like they all do in this little... Like, what do you call this thing, Hus? This is a... a I'll be honest, I don't have names for many of these apparatuses. Oh, there's Luke. Luke, uh, Luke won yeah. the uh, tickets. I see Hootman oh, Luke in there. Luke had a good, uh, good idea. Hootman is in. This is the big thing. Who is going to come down? Tracy O at the front. Okay, this is a good. We got Daryl Morosky, Tracy Akraniak, Janet oh. Irwin. Oh, Comet thrown over the top rope. Our first elimination in a while. Uh, we got Robert Paul in the mix. Robert Robert has just gone in, but this is neck and neck with the boat. Oh. Tracy O got a shot forward. Oh, this is wild. Okay, everyone's getting slingshotted. There's going to be a lot of people not making it out to the next one. Who is still alive, though? That is the thing. Is Eugenie going to be? No. M. Sheldon, anyone making it? No. Looks like Turd Ferguson might technically be in first place right now or running man. Oh, Stormy. MMC Stormy. I don't think uh, Stormy's ever won before. Oh, but there's But he's always in with us. Would love to see the regulars. Turd Ferguson and Stormy both looking very good. But again, we, uh, we are, haven't even seen the end yet. Oh, here we are. Okay. This is MC Stormy's. To lose, got tied up, and no, Turf <laughs> Ferguson is going to take it at the end. Oh, my God, a huge comeback. Stormy just couldn't get past the last obstacle. That has got to be tough. Lori Loving Life bounced. Trevor Red Ranger. Just watching this back. Oh, my God. That last that last obstacle, Turd Ferguson got a little bit more on the right side, didn't get hung up by it, and that is an absolute heartbreaker for oh. Stormy. Jeez, you got to feel, got to feel for MC Stormy. Um, Turd Ferguson, way to go. Turd's another regular. He's been in here in the chat on most days. So uh, well done, Turd. What you need to do, my friend, send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. As I said, we don't have any double X's right now. Let us know what size you are, and uh, I'll be in touch with you at a time where you can come and pick it up. Uh, oh, Pretty and Pionk flamed to finish it off. Turd Ferguson, our winner. Uh, we will do a quick rundown of the final results to make sure that, well, you know, if anyone has any side wagers with any friends about, you know, where they where they finished or not, we'll uh, we'll run through them. Turd, the winner, couple seconds over Stormy, who got busted right there at the end. Other top ten finishers: Trevor Red Ranger, Running Man, Kirsten Zinke. Oh, the Gus Bus with a strong performance, sixth. Mike Cochran, Pie Boy, Bosby, and Moose three are top ten. Uh, Westy with a strong performance, top 20 finish. He was in at 16th, right ahead of Christopher Met. Tracy O's in. You can just keep on rolling down, Remo, as long as people can go back and check on YouTube afterwards. Hacksaw, 25th, not too bad for old Hacksaw. Dusty, a lot of the marbles we put in did quite well. Dusty was 32nd. Yeah, Collier, 24. Oh, and Collier, 24. Man, all the guests today did very, very well. I still want to see where Hot Linda finished up. 
you know, Good everyone in chat has uh, Liverpool. Everyone in chat was writing, congratulations, Stormy, before it finished. <laughs> there was a couple of people in chat. Was Stormy doing the wave? I think was, <laughs> Stormy may have been doing the wave in front of their computer. I don't want to say for sure, but that was, uh, listen, it was almost an appropriate way to finish off the week after what happened uh, last week. Oh, there's the Bozeman at 73. I'll be looking to see if Ross is afterwards. I wasn't looking beforehand. Rob Pepper. Brandon, Brandon Rewicki. Hot Linda Bravo 101. Brian. Hot Linda. Not too bad. Not too bad, Linda. Paul, Zach, Leanne. It's your boy, Bruce. What up, Bruce? KWB. Nice one in there. Mark Sports Video. Tyson Ducharme. Theo Seegers, and let's see everyone that got knocked out today, thrown over the top. Mason Appleton got bumped. Appleton, jeez. Oh, Eagle Eyes and Ross. Oh, Ross eliminated. Well, booze, man, you got one. Uh, you got one. Uh, and Tristan Rivers' music deserved a better result after that incredible intro uh, than the DNP. And thank God we finally got the extended version <laughs> of that after the dictator, Remus, prevented <laughs> us from hearing that all these all these weeks. Uh I mean, I saved it, wanted to save it for a special occasion, and uh, I think I made the right decision, guys. <laughs> okay, does anyone agree with that? Let us know in chat. <laughs> I might have had, like, how long have you I know had how disappointed people will be if we don't play that version next week? It's nice. It's almost like it's a brand new song, though. It's like we've refreshed it up. See, it is good. Yeah, that, I agree. Right decision. Should have exactly waited for it. Kyle in chat. Huh? you going to be getting a barbecue bowl again tonight. Was it good? It was unbelievable. The brisket in that thing, I've had a lot of brisket in places like Kansas City and Texas. I'm a huge barbecue guy. Honestly, that was right up with some of the best that I've ever had. The sausage is really good, too. I'm not sure whether I'll be in a barbecue mode. I love the per Mr. Pierogi there. I'm a big fan of the Goldie Dog. The tacos at Taco Time, honestly, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, might be the best deal. I think that... Beef taco was like three twenty five or three fifty. It was pretty good last week, and I also really like the hot dogs. So we'll see. I was at Sal's this morning with Nielsen. Had a great breakfast to get me set for the rest of the day. Um, but we'll try and do a bit of a number on the uh, concessions tonight. As uh, we mentioned, if you missed it before, big weekend for the Gold Eyes. Uh, we've got the uh, Manitoba Social Night tonight. If you are going to the game, believe doors open at five thirty. You can confirm that on the uh, uh, on the website. But uh, 1,000 uh, Golden Boy bobbleheads going out to the first 1,000 fans. So get there early if you do want to grab one of those uh, and check out all the fun things they've got going on tonight, concession-wise and uh, prize-wise. Tomorrow, Bark at the Park. And then on Sunday, they're uh, doing that trip to Churchill uh, to see the polar bears. So uh, overall, it should be great. What do you got going on this weekend, Reem? Oh, Tristan says he's on my side. He's on my side about uh, doing doing the short version Tristan don't come on come on he what was the one who about? said was only good. do the for, the short version but then Greg M says we have to play the long version now every time I think so too it was so good it is like having a new song though which is which is <laughs> great know, I agree it's like we it's have a, like a brand new intro <laughs> that's just the best anyways Tristan you were yeah. the best thanks so much for your support I don't think I have any plans mm, I might go to the Zoo? beach maybe go to the gold eyes by I'm going to be way, watching this BC Calgary game tomorrow. That's for sure. Well, let's go kick a WST uh, Winnipeg 
WWT Winnipeg Weather Talk update for the weekend yeah, in case you it. haven't looked. We've got a mix in sun and cloud today with a high of 26 degrees. Low of 13 tonight. Not too bad. A little bit of cloud coming in. It'll clear before morning. A little bit of fog in AM as well. Uh, but tomorrow it should be really nice. Sunny. Mixing sun and cloud in the morning. Fog patches dissipating a little later on. High at 27. Humidex 31. Should be a hell of a Saturday. Looks like Sunday. Going to be a little bit worse. Cloudy with a 40% of showers. Hopefully that won't affect the gold ice game. But uh, we'll worry about getting some wins for the fish. We're on a roll as of late. Looking great for the playoffs. And uh, as I said, I've been there. These are sort of the best times of the year to go out to the ballpark. And, uh, you know, with the Bombers have already played their game on Thursday... Great chance to get out there if you haven't already. I will certainly be there, and uh, maybe we'll see you there. And uh, obviously, Monday, Rima, we'll get back at it with another big week. Hopefully, a little bit to talk about on the Jets front, because it will be a little quiet with the Bombers on the bye next week. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week, too, with Bombers on a bye. We'll have to figure out. We'll have to manufacture uh, some controversy, I think, to get people to tune in here <laughs> for a week in the summer. Uh, with minimal Jets news. Honestly, and, uh, considering the engagement of the tweets, I think we just do some uh, maybe some food. food reviews, food takes, I, I said, and some fantasy stuff. We will get into some NFL talk because um, you know we've sort of put this off with all the excitement about the Bombers, but with the Bombers being off, it'd be a great time to maybe hit a few training camps, get the latest on a few teams specifically, maybe focus in on the Vikes and some of your favorites. Uh, and we'll talk a little fantasy too because I know many of your drafts are coming up. I got to get ready to do that and we're launching a bunch of new things uh lock shop wise as it pertains to fantasy football as well so stay tuned for that um all that being said folks thanks again for the support thank you for helping us get to eight thousand subscribers on youtube that was a big uh big milestone on to 8500 and then to 9k and eventually 10k hopefully soon um but we appreciate your support wouldn't be able to do it without you as well as all of our great sponsors but if it does come up and you have the chance to let people know about what we're doing here it all helps as we uh, continue to grow heading into hockey season uh but for right now have a great weekend maybe we'll see you at the ballpark get outside enjoy but just make sure you have a safe one and come back and join us 1 p.m. live on YouTube just after 3 p.m. in your podcast feed Monday afternoon coming up when we get back at it on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.